0: Welcome to the first Tuesday Coffee Chat with John Willis and Jack Spierko and Nicole Soss. We're here to talk about anything, and you know somebody gave me feedback last month that it's like unloose the goose, only not. So if you like <laughs> <questions, laughs> okay, the question, I could bring the theme good. song back. I should bring the theme song back one of these times. And Maybe I, unloose
1: I something else for the three of us though, like unleash the unleash the dogs of war or something like. There's already a song for that too.
0: There is. Well maybe we should queue it up for next month.
1: Yes. I think that's his plan. Of course then we'll get copyright violations and shit, so
0: Okay, well it's been a month. It is now February, and I realize that we've been given the gift of one extra day this month. So what what are you guys doing on that day to make your life better?
2: I d I didn't know I didn't know we had an extra day in the month. You
0: get an extra day, John.
2: I don't even know what today is. I just know that yesterday you said, hey, we have a live with Jack today. So I'm assuming it's Tuesday.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of there with you, John. I, I had no idea. I didn't yeah. know we got an extra day. I don't think we actually get extra days. I think it would have makes me think it was daylight savings time where like the old Indian chief said only a white man would cut the, the bottom off the blanket. sew it back on the top and say the day
2: is longer. <laughs> I don't, man we've been we've been super nice weather the last couple of days really Same. nice t-shirt weather get outside do stuff right now ground still a little wet um, but going from snow and ice two weeks ago to this it's, it's beautiful out let's hope it holds a lot of times in the last few years we've gotten really warm and then freeze down so we lose all those buds on all the fruit trees we've we've That's really nice. it it has wiped those crops out for the last three years um, but we're super heavy in figs we've put a lot of figs in in the last few every year for the last few years, and those seem to work.
0: Yeah, I've been madly trying to trim my fruit trees before it gets much warmer because they were definitely dormant when we went down below zero. And then I thought, okay, great, I'll get a jump on this. I'll have a couple of weeks to get it done. Nope, it's like I have one week, and that is it. So when there's 25 minutes, I go out and figure it out. And and the thing about me and fruit trees is I've never fully – aligned in on what what how to prune the different kinds so i it's like i always have to go to the internet and look and then go back out there uh just because i haven't maintained many fruit trees besides apples and pears so and then we've got peach and plum and all this other stuff cherry but they're just at the right age to do it in my food forest they're you know they're still they're about as. some of them are a little taller than i am but they're little trees
1: yeah we would get that too like this warm up flower out and then the flowers just get frozen Yep, And I'm hoping that doesn't have this year. Like the only thing that's produced for me with any reliability last two years has been pears. And it's only a couple of the trees that are really late varieties. Uh, I don't have swelling on my fruit tree buds right now. But I looked at this morning, I took a walk and all my mulberries have like huge swelling buds and they're always first. And I'm like, come on, man, don't either get cold again or don't freeze. You know, and it can handle a frost, but what it can't handle is when you go out there and you're like, well, it looks okay, and you touch the flower, and it's like it's like somebody dipped it in liquid nitrogen. You're like, oh, that's that's screwed now. Yep. You know, but hopefully it will stay. The the giant rat, the giant rat in Puxatawny says we get an early spring this year.
0: That means you better get your stuff in the ground right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just did a show yesterday on seed starting because if you want to put your plants out by like March 15, you should have done that already.
0: That's literally my topic for next Monday. Okay, it's like it's like we're aligned, yeah, people probably think we talk about this, but we don't, and I'm like, we, oh. we
1: do not. we just, just follow the seasons if the season <laughs> says to do a thing, then we do the thing uh um, also I, just, I don't think it's public yet, but I did a video that's like an adjunct to my course, but I'm making it public for everybody eventually, and I think I uploaded it yesterday. Let me see, yeah, um, I did a video on how I use compost to make potting soil, so that'll be out later today.
2: I just watch your guys's content and then make whatever you made 2 weeks later. <laughs> as far as trimming as far as trimming trees, when you listen to the old timers, uh there's two takeaways. One of them is when you are comfortable with how much you have pruned. <laughs> you have not pruned enough and number two they say take a cat by the tail and if you can throw it through the i picture it every time we need to do a shirt of it taking a cat by the tail and throwing it through the branches and if it can grab branches you have not pruned enough but if you can't touch touch them
1: and almost grab it you've pruned too much right like it should just barely get through the i got that from mark shepherd i don't know how many other people said that but he said when he was a kid He worked at an apple orchard before they made all the orchards low trees, and they were big, full-size apple trees. And that's how the old man he worked for told him to do it. He said, you should be able to throw a cat through there.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I see that. You should be
1: able to swat a leaf but not grab a branch. Yep. And then they do those apples. The French say, do you want a tree or do you want fruit? I want fruit. Right, if you want fruit, you want to train your canopy like this.
2: And they grow those apple trees on wires too, man, so that 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 main stem – is really um, guy-wired in so that it doesn't have to fight the wind, and then they run those branches out on those trellises.
1: They oh, yeah. basically grow them like grapes. It's like an yeah, s failure, exactly. s- yep. s- but they don't do it on a wall. They do it out in the open. That's yep. actually a really cool way to do it. I've seen people even like grow them like that and graft the branches together, and eventually you can take the wire away, and the trees are a wall, like a fence. That's cool. Like grafting cool. ra- them together. And then you get great cross pollination and all that other stuff. But I've also seen them done like you take a bunch of whips, apple whips, and you cross them like this and then you weave them as they come up. So there's mm. tons of ways to play with apples.
2: Like willows. Like willows.
0: Yeah. Do you grow apples on your property, John?
2: So we grow a lot of apple trees. We do not grow a lot of apples. Um, we have cedar all over the place. And, and Billy and William, um, perma pastures, when they were out here, I said, I'm going to, I've got, 32 cedars to cut down. He goes, don't even bother, man. He goes, you've got cedars on the next property, and you got cedars on the next property, and you got cedars a, a mile up the road. He said, you're still going to have the same problem with it. He said uh, that Carrie um, Brown said there is an Arkansas variety that does really well here in Tennessee uh, that is more um, – able to get through that same issue. It's that, that cedar thing. It comes on. They look like little squid octopus. They, they're literally gummy like jellies. And yep. then they harden up into this like cancerous type growth on there. What yeah, you Arkansas, want.
0: It's a great apple.
1: And uh, that's cedar, cedar rust.
0: cedar, yep. yeah, cedar yep. apple rust. And uh, so we just put a food forest in here a couple of years ago. And we put in rust resistant apples and the only tree that's dead right now is the stupid rust resistant apple of course. It's not
2: <laughs> like, yep.
0: it's, it's, it's legitimately dead and there's another one that's barely hanging on I'm gonna rip them both out and put something else in there
1: because yeah. I don't
0: I don't feel like fighting it you know if I could get an old-timey crab apple in there maybe I'd try that
1: That's what I've got with everything. If something doesn't want to grow here, then I stop growing it. Maybe three or four years later, I'll try it again and see if things have changed. And if it doesn't want to grow, screw it. I I killed a lot of very expensive plants trying to grow shit on top of rock. And it it just doesn't work. And I do what what works now.
0: I'm surrounded. I'm lucky to be surrounded by permaculturists and communities that grow food and have been doing it since the seventies in the area. And when I talk to them, about this issue, they said, here's what we do. We grow sour cherries. We don't grow peaches. We don't grow anything else. Sour cherries, figs, and bush berries because everything else doesn't do great here. And so why fight it? Just go with what goes great here. So that's, you know, that's something that may, we'll see. We'll see if I get plums and peaches or not. I'm not, I'm not a big fruit eater anymore since uh, listening to Ken Berry for so long. So It's like you know, uh, if if it doesn't happen, I'll put nuts in or something else.
1: Our blueberries. There are hardy pecans you can grow no problem, and I would. I don't know why you don't have Chinese chestnut.
0: I do have Chinese chestnut.
1: Okay, good for you. Yeah. I take that back.
2: Yeah. Our our blueberries and figs do really well, and our our cherries. The best cherries I've ever eaten in my life are off our cherry trees, but I only get like two cherries. There'll be three. I'll eat one. And I'm like I'm going to save this one for Amanda and Cody, and then the next day they're gone. Like birds got them. I, I have to net them or maybe even build a cage over two of them just so we can get cherries off of them.
1: John, are you aware of a? Uh, it's it's really actually a tiny plum, but they call them cherry. It's called Nanking cherry. No, you need those. Okay, they grow like a bush and they will love your climate and they'll, you have acidic soil. That's why your blueberries do so well. Yep, they will go absolutely ape shit there. Uh, When I went up to Montana for one of the seminar things I helped teach, there was a bush cherry about the size of, like, a 55-gallon fish tank, kind of that spread. And, like, 10 of us ate as many as we could off of it, and they were still there. Awesome. They're just not a huge pit-to-fruit ratio. They're a little bit smaller, but they're freaking delicious. And they grow like weeds. Yeah, growing like weeds
0: is exactly what I want in my food forest.
1: They do okay here, and then they die. Mm-hmm. So, like, they'll do, like, a couple, two, three seasons, and then if they get just that much stress because we're alkaline instead of acid, they just, like, it looks like somebody poured acid. Same with blueberries. We put a, I put a blueberry in. It'll, like, be beautiful. It'll produce its first year, and then go in our, like, our heat of the summer, and it just looks like somebody pissed on it. It just goes, I hate you. Why'd you put me here?
0: <laughs> so, Angie does ask, what do they taste like and what are they used for? I saw you answered that, Jack. Yeah. So, they, they're a really good eating apple, naturally sweet, not too sweet. The... The outer skin is a little harder than like your typical grocery store apple. And because of that, if you want a root cellar an apple, the Arkansas black will last the longest in the root cellar out of any apple I've tried. I yeah. used to get a crate of those at the farmer's market every year. I don't grow them. And they would go well past December in my root cellar, which is not even a proper root cellar. So without getting mealy like they stay pretty crunchy as long as they've had a good season. So I I love that apple just in general. Uh, I may try to put one in, but I kind of decided the food forest was telling me it didn't want any apples and it's not sure it wants that pear tree either.
2: The whole back edge of our property is blackberries. They're wild blackberries. Um, So I don't don't care for blackberries. If I'm going to put a blackberry in, I'm going to put a blueberry or something in, but we've got 400 yards of blackberries. And if you leave any soil here, Unattended, you will end up with blackberries in it. They they make damn good mead, but you're not a mead drinker, so blackberry
1: mead is better than a good cab.
0: Yeah, we get wild raspberries here too. In the same what,
1: situation, what's good too is uh, like use blackberry and do like a, a blackberry vinegar, and then reduce it so it's like a fake balsamic, and That'd that's be awesome for cooking and shit. Like that's that's how you. I'm not big on sitting there popping blackberries because they're full of seeds. That's
0: so what we need to do is a workshop at John Willis's <laughs> when blackberries are coming on to make the balsamic form. So
1: We <laughs> could do both. We could make blackberry. Be, and mead. People can
0: go home with it. Like that yeah. would
2: be. Yeah. They're not going to go home with me. That takes a year to age out, right? Yeah, especially still, if you you make, make to it like that. Or it we could do both. Yeah. That's the magic, being able to make vinegar for food preservation if, you know, without, because everybody's talk is without refrigeration. So, how do you how do you get that vinegar? Who's, who's I'm talking a shortcut version. Dude. That's I'm,
0: mine. That's my old cool. man. He's 18 years old and he's senile. Can't see very well. And he always he's like, "Who's here? Is Arnie my friend's here?" And then he hears my voice and he stops. That's but, cool. Yeah, he just decided to. Yeah, he walked in, me out at me, and walked out. <laughs> That's what he does. Okay, here's one from Christopher. Have you seen the method of growing in desert, dry, windy areas where you dig a pit big enough to live in and plant down there?
2: Uh, wafati? Well,
0: I think he just means you dig a pit so the wind doesn't hit it, and then you plant in, like, the valley.
2: What's the in-ground greenhouse called?
1: A wolf, um, it's a... Oh, it's not a wafati. It's not is, a wafati. That's, that's that natural Paul's, building like, thing. like hobbit house. Um,
0: Paul's, Paul's <laughs> hobbit house.
1: That, yeah, and he gets to call it. He's always like, it gets pronounced wafati because I invented it so I can... <laughs> pronounce it where I want. That's what but, he told me. He, uh, I know he, what he's talking about. And there was a dude in Nebraska growing
2: oranges in one. There's a guy in Canada. Wallapini. Uh,
0: wallapini. wallapini. I, I was to about to was googling it now. Yeah. Look, tag AJ got
2: it. Tag is building a wallapini. There's a guy called Archacopia in Canada that has an enormous one, and he's got bananas in the middle of winter uh, on a regular basis. A pretty pretty neat channel that guy's got. Somebody said, "Are black currants still illegal? I don't know, allowed versus able <laughs> if if you I, I want them simply because you said they are illegal i don't even I couldn't even identify a black currant, but I'm definitely getting some.
1: It's probably not illegal in Tennessee. There's different states that have an issue with pine rust or something like that, and they apparently don't get affected by it, but they carry it and If you have a pine rust problem, I promise you it's not John's black friggin currants that are pine rusting your pine trees. It's but West Virginia they're they're banned and I don't know where
2: else. My water hyacinth has never escaped the property either and it dies every winter, so
0: does yours come back?
2: No. Okay. No.
0: I always see Jack for exit and build and I'm like, hey, bring a water hyacinth. Yeah. So mine die every year.
2: Mine's so, dead this year, I'll have to buy more this time. Yeah,
0: I'll just buy some then.
2: So Spearco turned me on to Atlanta Goldfish and they're on Amazon. And that's where I buy my koi from. And all you need is, I buy three water hyacinth, and it spreads. You can buy your duckweed. You can buy your polywogs, your crawfish, your everything from that place. And when you order it, they I have it the next day when they when I place my order. And it, it they've been great to do business with right off Amazon, super easy.
1: Back to currants before we leave that, John. You should totally, and Nicole should too, because of your climate. Currants and gooseberries? freaking tons of uses and you make a new one by cutting one and sticking it in the ground. Gooseberries nice. are
0: hard to kill in Tennessee because I've had two gooseberries in pots that I forget to water and aren't yeah. automated, And they're now three years old and I get berries off them every year.
1: Just be nice. careful with your varieties because some of them are like more thor- thorny than locust.
0: Mm. They are. The redneck hates any thorny thing I put in.
1: But they're delicious. I mean, gooseberries are freaking fantastic. That's why they're thorny. They're like, they got to protect their shit till it's ripe. <laughs> yeah. If you look like the best tasting stuff on the planet is all, like, as far as vegetation, it all has a way to try to hurt you to protect itself,
2: right? Because like, it doesn't want to be eaten until it's ready to spread its seed. That's everything in Tennessee. It wants to stab you, cut you, lay eggs in you, envenomate you.
1: <laughs> you need it's to come great, down here.
0: Don't move here.
1: <laughs> it goes up like 10x if you come down here. Like, yes. We have trees without thorns that will still, the, the, the deadfall will still go through your chute. <laughs> like our live oaks like if there's a piece of twig sticking up the top of a piece of live oak that fell and you step on it with thin sole shoes it goes straight through there like it's a thorn. Yes. Even though it's dull, it doesn't make it's just so hard. It doesn't matter that it's dull and it hurts more because when it goes in your foot it's pushing more flesh out of the way. It's
2: <laughs> like fire like fire hardened.
1: Yes. Yeah, except it's not. It's just live oak. Like
0: I- I know somebody who stepped on a black locust thorn. It went up through her shoe into her toe, and she almost had to have her toe amputated. Oh wow! My grandson got one. It was like, it really close. They off. were going to take her toe off, and they're like, "Well, we got in there, and we think we can save it."
1: That's what did it wild. break off inside or something?
0: Well, it was it touched the bone, and then uh, it got infected.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bone infections. Bone infections you don't mess around with, right? No, that's like if you get if you something touches bone, they should be pumping antibiotics into the wound the day it happens.
2: So yeah. Jeff, Jeff T says white mulberry, good fodder. We put in, uh, I think we put in 300 Russian white mulberry, 300 hybrid willow, 300 um, hybrid willow, white mulberry, and poplar. There's a, poplar, that's it, hybrid, hybrid poplar.
0: poplars, yep.
2: Yeah, whose who's plan do you think that was? I mean.
0: I know that's whose exactly plan yeah. that was.
2: Nick Ferguson, yeah. something. If only you
0: could come to an event in April and see him explain how to turn trees into food for your animals.
1: Yep. Yeah. That would be really cool, wouldn't it? it would. I think he there's ha- an opportunity to do that somewhere.
0: I think so too. I think he has a nut tree in the. He has a hazelnut tree in the mix this year. He yeah. might already be sold out at rareplantstore.com, but he. I was listening to that and I was like, Oh, I love hazelnuts. I actually just pulled two hazelnuts out that weren't producing here. Cause I was
1: tired of it. He put a tree guild together this year and he's calling it the deer garden. <laughs> it's like persimmon and like four other things. And like, you just plant a grove of that. And then when the deer come, you shoot them and it's a deer garden. And, and that whole term came from like when I first started, it was like 2009 or something. I was, I was doing all this content about gardening and this dude wrote in you could tell he was like a, a Kentucky or Tennessee redneck. He's like, you could almost hear the drawl in the text, <laughs> you know. And he's like, "I planted me a, deer, a garden last year, like you said, and I hardly got any food out of it. I had to shoot seven deer over it just to get anything out of it." I'm like, Do "You have a deer garden? You don't need to complain. I'd rather eat venison than tomatoes anyway." Yeah, that's. I know how great to keep deer out of your garden. Real easy though, real easy. My neighbor
0: saw a 10-point buck in August. Oh, wow. And that's all he wanted all season was to get that buck. And he spent days waiting for it. And one time he had, on a crossbow season, he had, like, a shot, and his crossbow failed, and then it ran off, and he was so mad. And then, I don't know, it was two and a half months later, a couple days before the end of season, he got it. And we had been, we had like pictures all printed up to put in drawers, like, have you found your buck yet? And all of these things. But, (laughs) but he shot three other deer. So it was a good deer season here.
1: If you do have deer garden problems, put one strand of wire around your deer garden. Take some foil and about every 10 feet, put a strip of foil on your wire, wall the fences off, and then smear peanut butter on all the little flags of foil and then turn it on and then set up a camera. Cause that's the one thing I regret. <laughs> I did that in Arkansas and I didn't get it on video. This doe comes in and her ears are kind of back. Like, what is this thing? And she sniffs it and she's like, Oh, and then the tongue comes out. And then she went like this way, like a horse over on her back, flipped around and hauled ass. And all of a sudden my garden stopped getting raided by deer.
0: She told all the other deer, don't go near that. Don't go near
1: I, that. I think I'm the only, I'm just the only one I saw. I'm pretty sure they all had to make their own mistake. They all had to FAFO.
0: I wonder if that would work for coyotes.
1: about mm, it. Coyotes are the coyotes eating your vegetables?
0: No, uh, but they would want to eat my sheep.
1: Oh, Okay. So yeah. Your dogs. Sheep. Put your sheep. dogs. It might work. Put um, like rendered tallow. <laughs> Spear that on
0: there. You got. My dogs might try to get that too. Who are
2: with? Yeah, me. yeah. But are your dogs your dogs are handling the coyote issue, aren't they?
0: They are. It's another friend of mine doesn't have dogs and is very worried about coyotes. And I was wondering if she could do that because she has like perimeter electrical, like two layers of it before you get to her sheep.
2: But mm. you know what the answer is? Dogs. Yeah, the dogs. Yeah. Speak, like I, I don't know why people go so around and around and around over dogs, man. Dogs. Literally remove 95% of any issue we would have here on the property. You have to be fenced, but once you're fenced, man, there are no, no issues. I've got coyotes on all three corridors on the edges of the property, never inside. We don't have any problems inside these fence lines with anything.
1: No, even, I heard them last year, and you had a hundred, you know, five hundred people on a problem I still heard them howling at night.
2: But, oh yeah, man, when know. they get on a kill out there. But I mean, my dogs like we don't even have bird of prey problems with these dogs now.
0: Yeah, it's rare here too, and I don't have the setup John has. Like, but we've taught our dogs to bark at the sky when there's a big yeah. bird. Yep. And um, you know, I was actually hearing about people having problems with baby lambs getting nailed by hawks. I'm like, I don't think that would wow. happen. Like, I think the dogs would
1: Yeah. Would like it not let that hair. happen. Yeah, but, we have seeing a Cooper's hawk taking a baby lamb. What's a baby lamb weigh? About six, eight pounds?
0: Maybe that much. It's not it depends, but yeah, not a lot.
1: Well a two pound Cooper's hawk ain't carrying that away, so that's gotta be bigger birds. That's doing yeah. That.
2: yeah, we got bald eagles, we've got oh, um we've got bald eagles, we've got, you know, uh, some bigger hawks and stuff, but man, we didn't even teach the dogs. The dogs just do it. And then with the guineas on the property, they always early alert. If you look at guineas, there's always one up and Mm -hmm. it's cool to just watch them because when that one goes down, another one comes comes up and they take that high, whatever the highest mound of dirt or wherever. And they're always watching that sky and they have that different alert, man. And those dogs, they notify right on that alert. If the dogs are even asleep, Man, all of a sudden, you won't see any dogs. And when those guineas go off, boom, you've got five dogs everywhere. Yes. They,
1: they figured it out. They've worked yep. it out that when that bird does something, something's up. Geese are the same way. Yep. When you watch your geese move, you'll always see one head up. And, like, it's exactly that same thing.
2: Yeah. That's why I like to put young dogs with older dogs. as The older dogs get older because they'll have, the, they'll have a couple of years to train up those younger dogs.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's the easiest thing, especially if you have them garden property. You you you, then you just have to teach core obedience and then let the let the pack teach them what to do. Like um, Lucy, our husky mix, she chases bad birds, but I never did anything. It was kind of weird because she was a weird stray, and I didn't ask her for much. Just like don't bite people, and don't run away, and don't bother the cats. And the cats fixed that for me. Like she had a five year war with Dana cat. And Dana was just doesn't forgive. But one day, I probably had her about 18 months, and she comes tearing ass around the house, barking her brains out. I'm like, what the hell's up with her? And next thing I know, she's got her front feet up on a telephone pole that brings our power line in, and there was a buzzard sitting on that pole. Nice. And I'm like, well, I, I, I don't. And then, like, a couple weeks later, there was a guy delivering mail, and she's out there losing her shit, and she never did that before. And Charlie's just laying on the porch like, I don't have to do this anymore. I've I've handed this shit off. I'm there if they try to get in. I'll wait. <laughs> That's Angie, cool. Angie, are
0: those Anatolian Shepherds trained?
1: That's good. Anatolian Shepherds are a good... good do- For people on the audio, somebody says they have Anatolians, yeah. but Nicole's so, asking if they're
2: trained. So, we... Anatolians are... those are the two most common around here for sure. Pyrenees and Anatolians and the Anatolians have more ass behind them. They're going to be a little more aggressive, a little bigger, um, faster to, to bite, um, and do, do the job for sure. But like our, and we have big super trooper Anatolians, which are, you know, we have Kangals from Turkish mountains and they, uh, Pyrenees, we didn't train those dogs. They just did all of that stuff on their own. And then when we put the big dogs with them, Those Pyrenees, they started doing what the Pyrenees did. So we run Pyrenees simply because we have them and they're Mm -hmm. old. Um, But we're adding, like, when you add those bigger dogs, man, they really do that job. And and it doesn't take much. Like, we didn't train those dogs to do anything. They just did it. And even before we ever had any fencing on the property, the goats would leave the property and the dogs would always be with those goats.
0: Yeah, I have Anatolian-Pyrenees mixes And the way I got them was the veterinarian came out early on with the flock and she was like, you've got to have dogs with these so that you don't have to bring them to the barn every night, which will expose them to getting worms. I know somebody who has two for free that are already trained and they were just the lady. She said this is the last time I'm breeding them, but my goal is not to have goats or sheep ever killed by stray dogs. And so she just like as a mission uh lets them get trained by the mom and i just i mean that was super lucky for us we did have to it took us about three months of training to get them bonded to the sheep and also so that we could handle them but they've been awesome
2: we've got a we have a new pyrenees i i guess i forgot all about her i have i do have a pyrenees pup and she's not even a year old and it's the smartest dog that we've had on this property so far and she's back there with those sheep. And I'll go back there and look. I'm like, man, where's that dog? Did it, how'd that dog get out? And she'll be laying down there in the middle of those sheep with all the lambs.
0: Yeah. Isaac says, hold on. How does a, ho- a barn expose them to worms? Well, the way they get worms is uh, that it comes out of their poop over time or parasites. And if, if you're rotating them so that they're not on the same place, Uh, some people say 14 days, I go, I go 60 to 90 days, actually. Then they're never exposed to what hatches out of their poop. So if they get a parasite and then it's something that could spread, they're not exposed to that because the cycle of the parasite coming out and needing a host is broken. If you're putting them in the barn every day, uh, they, you know, like I know somebody who is meticulous with cleaning her barn and hasn't had a worm problem, but it, it's more likely to happen because they're on the same ground over and over.
2: So we have, rabbit, we have rabbit trays under the rabbit's big cement trays. And when the fly load starts coming in, we just sprinkle, I mean, just a tiny bit of lime. I saw somebody in here say for the barn, if you just sprinkle lime down in there, man, we put lime down and the flies are gone. It definitely kills out all the larvae. What do you do
1: with all your rabbit droppings? You just throw them out cold, or do you compost? Or so
2: so we top dress stuff cold, like yeah. right out, like right out hot. We'll top dress with that's it. what I meant,
1: really. Yeah. Like, you're I, not composting I, it.
2: No, I do. I take it all and just put it. I have uh, pallets, uh, ten by ten compost area, and I just heap that in there. And that stuff will be three feet tall, and within a couple weeks, man, it'll be it'll just be down to eighteen inches. Yeah.
0: My same, I just top dress hot, and since doing that, my garden's never been better. Like, it's yep. been the number one best. I've done so much to that garden. Super easy, just throw poop on it and then mulch over the top, and it's been all that's needed.
1: For maybe somebody that's listening that doesn't know what you two guys know, the reason I even said cold is because it's what's known as a cool or a cold manure, meaning you can use it straight out of the rabbit's butt, where like you shouldn't do that with chicken, turkey, cow. Like all of those things are considered hot manures. So what they mean by hot is they're using it without composting it. And what I mean by cool is you don't have to.
2: Somebody said they have an issue with uh, bears. Um, Anatolians will take care of bears. Uh, When you get out west and you have a higher predator load. Now you said brown bears, Uh, Pyrenees, a a couple of Pyrenees would take care of brown bears also. But when you get out west with the brown or black bears, but when you get out west with brown bears and bigger mountain lions, um, Anatolians will do it, Kangals, Akbash, Caucasian Shepherds, uh, and typically those dogs are longer hair too. So you're going to have a, a cold winter, and those dogs typically have a, a longer hair too. Now Anatolians are super short hair, but we, I see them in the ice and snow. My Anatolians are straight out, or the Kangals are straight out in the ice, um, and they don't like we build all these straw huts for them, and we give them dog loos, and. Those dogs don't use none of that. I spend $1,000 every winter on straw and, and every year, and they don't use one bit of it. Huh.
0: Yeah, ours, during that ice storm, after the first super cold night when it went down below zero, T went over to the barn to you know make sure water, ice was broken, and he could not find one of the dogs. And this dog has a history of getting stuck like under the barn subfloor, so he's looking for the dog, looking for the dog, Finally finds it out in the pasture, covered in snow, eating a rabbit sickle. Yep. (laughs) It it cared not that it was like six degrees at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We had a husky years ago named Lakota, and my wife would always freak out when it would snow when we lived in Pennsylvania for those few years. He needs to come in. He doesn't want to come in. You know, you have like a burrow in three foot of snow and all you see is like the black tip of his nose sticking out. She's like, he's gonna freeze it. Mean, he did that himself. Leave him alone. He suffers through summer. He is in, like he's in his nirvana right now. He thinks he's a sled dog again.
0: Okay, here's a fun question. Any tips okay. for keeping your dogs from eating chicken poop?
1: Don't worry about it, let him eat it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dog! It's gonna eat turds. It's what it does. You know, I mean, like, I don't know. Give them good, like, good teeth cleaning chews or marrow bones or something and go on with your life. I, you know, the only thing I get irritated with is our dogs will eat out of my open pit compost where I'm aging my, my stuff for kickers. And like, the only reason I care about that is because like, I wanted that in there. That's why I put it in there. It's for the birds or it's for the, the, the black soldier flies or whatever, but I don't care if they eat poop, they eat poop. Right. I mean, if they're eating it, there's probably something in it that they need. And that's why they're intrinsically knowing that they should eat it. so, The first thing I would say is, what are you feeding your dogs? And if you're feeding them like Walmart brand kibble, that's probably why they're eating poop. But I, dogs like my dog is doing some things right now because he's getting older. And when I talked to the vet about it, his entire response, and this is a man that's been practicing medicine for animals for like 35 years, and he said dogs are gross. (laughs) That was this entire like dogs are gross. Like, they you know, they lick their butts. They eat turds like they're gross. That's what they do. Leave them alone. I, I
0: watched my dog eat this much coyote poop on a walk and I couldn't like <laughs> slurp it down. Like I almost vomited just watching it. And the first thing I did was text Riles and I'm like, what new, nu- what nutrient is she perhaps missing right now that she is doing that? Because I could not keep her off the coyote poop for the last yeah. month. So I probably just need to feed her a rabbit
2: stomach. Maybe I say that that all the time, right? We, we, especially when people are coming over, we clean all those water troughs and we get all the algae out. And that, that's just some bullshit that you do for you because your dog eats poop. And the first thing your dog does when it gets off your property is goes and finds some dead rotted stuff, rolls around on it and eats that too. They do not care. They're drinking straight out of that duck pond. No matter how fresh a water they have, they want that nasty water. Mine do it all the time. Like you you go out and you fill, you're filling new duck ponds.
1: Yep. And the one you haven't dumped yet that has a day of crap in it, they could be drinking the water coming out of the hose. Nope. They want the poop water. And I've just stopped fighting it. My dogs are healthy. They never get sick. They don't, you know, get diarrhea or throw up or anything. And just, you got to understand, guys, a dog can eat things that will literally kill you. Yeah. I've seen dogs eat like, You know, we had one time I had a a Britney Spaniel. He ate a possum and we didn't do anything about it because we didn't figure out he ate it until like two days after he ate it. Like it was laying dead on the road and nobody wanted to pick it up. And then it disappeared. And we found like pieces of the possum chewed up that he left. And we're like, well, he ate the possum. He ate the possum's guts full of maggots. And he was fine. And that's when I I was like 14 or whatever. I'm like, I am never worrying about this
2: again. Yep. Yeah, we keep we keep fencing around our rabbit area which is twenty by thirty, and that's simply to keep the dogs out because we want the rabbit manure and the dogs will eat it.
1: Yes. <laughs> they'll, eat, they'll eat every bit of it. I just wonder like could you come up with a system where like you have worm bins under your rabbits, so like you're just making compost without doing anything. I feel and like it's like in the bottom I like a you know, drawer you pull out and you take your compost. I know we who have,
0: needs to design that system and you know them too.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we have, know, we have too much manure for that. When we move the tray no, out, there's tons of worms under there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: If you put them into a bin system, though, they will build their population to the amount of food they have. Awesome. Yeah. And then, like, in the summer, you'll end up with BSL, like, soldier flies in there, too. Yeah.
2: yeah we have we have soldier flies all over. Yeah, we do. Those
1: things, people, like, buying them and shit, I'm like, what are you doing? Unless you live in a place where they don't exist or something. I had two worm bins in my shop closed and about July last year I went and I opened one to feed them and I opened it and like freaking soldier flies were like, I guess they could get their eggs on the zipper for these worm farms and then the baby little maggots could get in. But when they matured, they couldn't get out. So every time I went out to feed them, like they were hitting me in the face and flying all over my shop. I went and got one of my big tracker supply fans and opened the back door and like, blew it out to like try to suck them out of there. Cause they were literally everywhere. So I don't know why anybody buys them.
2: So the guys are using when they're growing them, they're using the tailings off of brewing all the grains yep. and stuff. And that leftover, that's what they're using to feed those things when they're actually cultivating them in containers and stuff. They eat you can coffee get, grinds too. You can get IBC
1: totes full of that stuff. Yep. Yeah. You, if you get like spent brewers, grain, that's valuable. Um, and then, uh, again, coffee grinds. So like most Starbucks, they'll, if you go in and say, I need coffee grinds, they'll hand you like a full garbage bag full of coffee grinds, like yep. any day of the week. Long time ago, when I like, first discovered they did that, they were putting out these little like bags of like, you know, this big, probably like five pounds worth of coffee that weighed 10 because it was wet for everybody, like, you know, in the spring, cause that's when people ask for it. And I went in. I'm like, "Do you guys still do that?" And dude's like, "Hold on." And he's like, it was like a contractor bag. And I'm like, "How much can I have?" He goes, "We throw like 50 of those away a a day." Wow. Wow. You can have as much as you want. And it was one Starbucks. I just like caffeinated um, soldier flies, I guess. Then (laughs) there has to be (laughs) something you and David can do with that, Nicole, at the next workshop. Caffeinated soldier flies.
0: I heard your segment on making biochar out of coffee grounds. Yeah. And I realized what I have is coffee beans which would be even better like i have a five gallon bucket of them right now that i've been pouring down a sinkhole
1: because so, they're bad well, beans? because
0: well, if a roast is messed up oh. there's that or when it's extremely cold before i can roast i have to do a batch oh,
1: that will not a roast.
0: so i have this bag of really crappy beans that i got like for 49 cents a pound like they're they taste terrible and I just keep that bag and I use it as my uh-huh. my starter run in that situation. But I end up with that. And when when you said that, I was like, I could probably biochar those, and they're actually the perfect size. They're
1: no, they're excellent. I don't think they would work in the little Michael Whitman stove you have because we yeah. tried all kinds of. Well, I didn't. Do, I'm like it's for pellets. And when we had the workshop here, there were students. They were out like snipping little pieces of locust branch and all. And they tried like everything to burn anything in there other than freaking wood pellets and nothing worked. And they finally gave up. I'm like, it's hmm. a stove. Well, I'll tell you what, it's a blue sky biochar guys. I don't get anything for referring it. I went out and I found out I could buy like the softwood pellets at tractor supplier, six bucks a bag, five ninety five for a 40 pound bag. I've been running 10 batches about an hour each every day to make all my biochar until I start making kiln biochar again. Cause now it's all wet and all, and I don't want to try to have to like stack the wood in my shop to dry it out. So all my spring biochar is being made out of these pellets and it doesn't make a lot, but you literally like stick them in there, put a little fire gel on the top, light it, turn it on, set a timer for an hour. At one hour, I got to have a, a, like a, like an old pot with a lid. I just dump it in the pot, throw the lid on it to, to extinguish it. And then if you try this, Nicole, because I know you own one, you need to rinse it out with cold water. Because if you're running it continuous, the heat will build up and that little foam stuff on the bottom that keeps it from transferring the heat to the bottom, it will melt. That's an ask me how I know one right there, right? Like and so I only melted a little bit off, and now my policy is at the end. I, I, I take it in my outdoor sink, I rinse it out, throw another, you know, three cups of char in there, light it again, turn it on. And You can go through a bag in about a week like that, and it'll make like half a five gallon bucket. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but go price it. Go price it. And then it also takes away the need to crush it because it's pellets. Have you ever seen what happens to wood pellets when they get wet? Yeah, they They just fall apart. So I don't even crush it. I just throw it in, and it's going to fall apart in time.
0: Yeah, wood pellets were my hack for when I could not rotate my pigs and creating the mud. Slick, but ah. you would throw wood pellets on that, and it would absorb absorb all that moisture, make it so you could walk on it. Uh, that was my interim because I didn't have access to wood chips right then, so Got that you. worked great. But do
1: you remember Triple? Yeah, Santa Claus looking dude that comes to the workshop once in a while. Ain't been around in a while. They were improving their property. They were taking those softwood pellets and they were chisel plowing the pellets into the ground, kind of like hugeculture light on a broad scale. To put organic matter in the soil, and then they went to no-till after that. And so I don't know if it worked for him or not, but I know he was trying it. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I could just
0: run the beans through my roaster till they're really charred.
1: You could do that, except you might set your roaster on fire again. I would, mean, would, that's goats, part of the job. Would
2: would goats eat those beans?
0: The coffee beans? Yeah. Probably <laughs> You're a not.
2: Sick. No, <laughs> I would mean, the, would, they
0: were just they on
2: roof again. No, I'm just curious, I mean, if that's a way to, to pass them through the goats so that oh. they would break down on the soil.
1: Oh, like the coffee they get from Madagascar or Sri Lanka or the whatever. The big cat. raccoon-looking thing shits it out, and then they pick it out of the
2: turds. And no, I was just thinking like a goat would probably crush those things, yeah. you know, and then put them yeah. through their digestive system, as opposed to just dumping them in a sinkhole. <laughs> So, so caffeinated goat juice would not just it, be a It would be joke like anymore. an
0: actual thing. Yeah. I, I
1: just – goats, I don't like goats, and I just can't imagine. Like it's like feeding a baby
2: coffee ice cream. I just I – know, I know a lot of uh, like brew, <laughs> brew, brew guys feed all those grains and corn and stuff to, to pigs afterwards. Yeah, and the, and I get that. And pigs are drunk. But there's no – well, there's no alcohol in the spent grain. Well, they're still drunk, man. When you, when you, it must that ferment sh- or something on its own. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Those pigs are, are cra- Like, they are drunk, clearly drunk, when you give them those tailings. Huh.
0: Yeah. The one sadness I had, the idea I was going to do with caffeinated goat juice that, like, it's past now was get Mountain Dew and relabel it. <laughs> oh. I never got that done. Uh, John, they, his buddy David and I, uh, Pranks on each other, and one year he told this like elaborate story that about my life that ended pretending with, to be her, pretending to be me that ended with me selling caffeinated goat juice.
1: It, it started it. out that she was a poor girl growing up in the slums and of Portland. Her mom would, and her would sit around with with fingernail clippers and and clip uh, like tin and stuff to make glitter to sell to <laughs> the clipper club, and it goes from that but buy, And it's like a 10-minute, very detailed story that he had to come up with on the fly in about 10 minutes. And it ends with selling caffeinated goat juice. And she did some shit that was about him selling guinea David, pigs. Dave
0: Coy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Dave's Coy, yeah.
0: Dave's <laughs> Coy. Pet started to you table. you got to get
1: your ass to Texas for one of these, John. I mean, <laughs> really. It, it's It's time. It's time. You can leave for a few days. It, it'll be okay. It won't blow up and go away. He he's
0: not convinced.
1: I can tell. By I know. I can see it not.
0: smile on his face.
1: He looks like my grandson when I tell him he has to do an extra project. <laughs> like, he's saying he's gonna do it, but you know he's not. <laughs> it's the exact same look. It's this like weird smirk, and like a little bit of fidgeting, and you're like, he's not gonna do it.
0: He's not gonna do. It. Well, he's not telling you he's gonna do it, and then not I know. Doing
1: it I know. It's well, he's strong. he's much older than Braylon, so he's learned not to commit and just <laughs> sit there. But he can't get rid of the fidget and the smile.
2: So how do we get
1: John Willis to Nine
2: Farm, Nicole? How do we do that? If I was going out of state, I would go there. That's not a commitment to anything. It is yeah. not. It is you, not.
1: Yeah, this is what my grandson's going to turn into, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> nope, not at all. You should, okay, you, you should totally come on down, man.
2: Man, I just my my stuff doesn't run. When I'm not here every day, I'm out. It's three days to catch up, no matter who's in place. That's that's just how it is right now.
1: You need a you need a you know, David has a Toby. You need a Toby.
0: He needs a mini me. Yeah,
1: Yeah, he needs somebody that's just like you. you, This is when I used to run construction crews. I had a number two that was such a fucking slave driver that as tough as I was when I went on vacation and came back, my guys are thank God you're back. He almost killed us yesterday. He worked us until we thought we were gonna die, and then he told us we weren't done yet. I'm like, "Good job, Daryl. Good job, yeah. bro."
0: <laughs> okay. Hey, hey, Alabama wants to know: Would wood pellets make good soil amendment to help hold moisture?
1: <laughs> Don't
2: know. Don't what's know. the what's it. the binder in those? It's like cellulose. It's okay. That's,
1: I asked Triple when he asked when he was doing it. He's like, "It's cellulose. It's just it's basically
2: like." liquid that they make out of the same wood or some shit. so to some to somebody who doesn't know me um when we buy rabbit pellets you know what's that binder and i've been seeing a ton of stuff direct marketing on these you can buy a machine for a couple hundred bucks Mm -hmm. that you just put all of your basically leaves and shit in and they put a couple eggs in there and it seems like the egg is the binder in some of those pellets it could
1: be like where I get my pellets for my ducks from, it's, it's custom order. We buy like a ton at a time, and they will not call it soy-free because they use a tablespoon of soy oil per 50-gallon bag is their Got ratio it. to help. I don't know if it's so much binding. It's more like part of the process, but they have a big commercial machine. You're talking about a pelletizer. Yep. And there's also a thing called the hammer mill. Yep. And there's a company that makes it at like a price that a homesteader can afford. It's not cheap, but it's affordable. They have them on Vever. Just be careful if I'm trying to think of this other company. Be careful if you get on their mail list. Like they put you on like 87 mail lists and you're getting hammer hammer and pelletizer freaking emails and you're like unsubscribe and like then you get pissed, you're like, unsubscribe or you're, like, you're on all and like you can't like you can't get away. And, and now it really has me wanting one, but I, I don't grow enough fodder because that's what Nick, Nick turned me on to those. He's like, you can take the fodder trees and take the fodder, put it through the handler mill and pelletizer. You could pelletize the fodder. Yep. And I grow the crap out of the water hyacinth. And I'm like, I could be making my own pellet feed with that, but I, I don't need another thing to do. Yeah, yeah
0: you do. Come on, Jack. All no. you need to do is one more thing.
2: That's no, need you- to do. When you start looking at hammer mills, most of them are coming out of Africa. There's a ton of them yeah. uh, in Africa, and if you're if you're not on those lists, there's some there's some agriculture groups based out of Africa that have uh, private groups in uh, Facebook, and man, the stuff they're doing is incredible, and it, it's so raw, like it, it's totally duplicatable here. A lot of it.
0: Yeah, Rachel's got it. Don't forget to slap that like, like it owes money, man.
2: Make doesn't it
1: doesn't cost
0: me anything and it brings us benefit.
1: Obey Rachel and obey Eka mouse.
0: Yeah. Eka mouse isn't here, but she'll be Eka here. Eka mouse, where have you been?
1: She was here yesterday. I don't know. She's been in and out lately. Yeah. I've modified it. So we give Rachel credit for beating people up.
0: <laughs> okay. Let's see. What do you think? of growing bamboo to sell and eat as a visual barrier. Have you ever grown bamboo? John's got this one.
2: So there's there's running bamboo and there's clumping bamboo. And you'll hear all kinds of things about if you let bamboo go, you'll never get rid of it. You can chemically kill it, glyphosate, you can mow it, you can um, you know, you can burn it. There's a lot of things you can do with it. Uh Billy Bond, uh William Bond said put clumping bamboo on the dam here to hold the dam in place. Um, I started looking at bamboo. There are three large bamboo farms right outside of Nashville. When you start looking at bamboo, there's bamboo that does one inch, and there's bamboo that gets six inch. There's bamboo that gets 20 feet. There's bamboo that gets 60 feet. There's bamboo that dies out as soon as it gets cold, and there's bamboo that will go straight through ice. So if you want bamboo, there is a several types of bamboo that will grow almost anywhere you are. It is invasive. Um, people do lose their shit over it. Like it's a great barrier though. It'll grow super fast. If you've got a property and you know, some some neighbor comes in and, and cut all the that barrier down, if you put bamboo in, it'll do it quickly.
1: And and what I'll throw in on that, I don't know what variety it was, but when I was a kid growing up in Jacksonville, Florida, where everything grows yeah, like crazy, right? And it just goes nuts. You know, they have like an 11-month growing season. You know, maybe one month out of the year, you get a couple of freeze days. We had these huge clumps of it that grew wild in the woods we used to play in. And we used to go cut, like, cane poles out of it and stuff. And they weren't the big ones. They would get about – biggest would be about an inch in diameter. And you, it's by itself in the woods growing in a clump, and that clump would just barely expand every year. It didn't do – like, the runners, like he's saying, they will, like – the bad thing about runner is it will, like, if you live in the burbs or whatever, it'll go under the fence and start popping up in your neighbor's yard and they get pissed off and all. But clumping's no big deal. And it's a, it's a grass. No matter how tall it gets, it's the grass. It generally grows two to three inches deep as its root system. It may go as deep as six when it gets a very large variety. So it's really easy to wall it off. Like, if you take, like, heavy weed blocker or, or not weed blocker, like, pond liner material, cut a trench a couple feet deep and... And line that trench with that, and backfill it, and plant cumbers there. It's not going anywhere. And like John said, you can you can mow it. Like when it first comes up, it's little it's pieces. Soft, yeah. And if you keep an area mowed, it's not going anywhere. So yeah. if you plant it against a fence, leave a mow area. And by the way, I've learned that the hard way. Like anything you plant near your fence line, do not plant it against your fence line. Leave enough room for whatever you mow with to fit between the thing and the fence.
2: Yeah. And, and it'll grow like some of that stuff grows so thick you you can't walk through it and no. you can use it as piping. You can knock those membranes out with a piece of rebar. Yep. And you can move it to you can use it to move water with and stuff. Yep, You can fire harden it. You can use it to feed to animals. Plus, you could get a you could get a panda bear. Yep.
0: I want to come into a shower curtain for my outdoor
1: shower. You can cut a piece on each side of the thing and throw it in the fire and run away and wait. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) I I suggest backing off quite a bit if you try that and having a hose to put out fire if it spreads cold.
0: This one's a really important question, Jack. Where do I find your biochar course? I have some money I'd like to give you.
1: I mean, I've been hiding it. It's impossible to find. You know, it's at homefoodsystems.com.
0: Homefoodsystems.com.
1: Just go there and you'll be able to figure it out. And if you can't figure it out, you probably shouldn't take the course.
0: I mean, I'm laughing because I literally kind of had to ask that question because I forgot yeah. that I bought the course yeah. and then I couldn't find any reference to it.
1: Get you know, on my daily mail. It's I'm mail on your daily, daily mail. mail. Daily yeah. mail every day for the last 40 days. <laughs> well, yeah. every weekday, every weekday because the daily mail's is only weekday mails. Yeah.
0: Important to know.
1: She just Dude. ignores my shit and then says I don't tell her. That's what it is.
0: Yeah, I uh, just make your
2: stuff.
1: On that, I did I did give Billy Bond, who is like a compost you know master, uh, the course for free, and he took like he didn't want to say who made it, but you can figure it out. He took like a forty five hundred dollar course that was a very long, in depth, intellectual course, and he said I covered all of the pertinent information in the first ten hours of that course in my first hour of mine. I thought that was a pretty good accolade. So it's, it's probably worth the 40 bucks it costs, guys.
2: Yep. Dean Mullis asks, what kind for North Carolina of bamboo? Uh, if you get on your marketplace in your local area there, you'll find guys that have chopped down bamboo, and you will find guys that will let you come out and dig up bamboo. So I would communicate with those guys and see what's yeah. growing in your area. And typically when you get on and search bamboo for sale on Google, you'll find a farm in your area, and they'll list which types they have.
1: But back to what you said earlier, well, what do you want it to do? Because just because you're in North Carolina, do you want a runner? Do you want a timber bamboo? Do you want a, a, like a, a fishing pole bamboo? Do you want to be making small barriers? big? What do you want to do with it? That's, And then find the a, adapted to your region bamboo that is that type of bamboo. Because some of the timber bamboo, if you can grow it, man, you talk about construction material. And, and one of the most renewable things on the planet, you cut it down, it's grass, it, it grows back. Yep. Do you, uh, do you, either of you guys ever watch Mythbusters? Yes.
2: Sometimes. Just too.
1: Remember the old thing that we kind of all took as a myth, like the, the you know, Asians would torture people by stringing them out over bamboo and letting the, the, the shoots grow through their body. And so they tested that. They made like this giant, you know, ballistic gel with skeleton and all and they did it and it totally freaking worked. It grew, it grew right, straight through them. right through it. Like, and it took like two weeks and it was coming out the top of the body. <laughs> so. well, that,
0: that's a pretty picture. Thanks, Jack.
1: <laughs> so yeah. I'm just saying, you know, there could come a time in the future where we need some deterrence from people being on our land. And that, that's, a, I'm That'd pretty be a deterred deterrence. by that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you hear what they did to the last guy? It's really interesting that all of the questions are about animals and gardens this this week or this month. Have you ha- ever had botfly issues with rabbits?
2: Not that no. I'm
1: aware of. Only time I ever had them, they were on a dog, a little like like a full size Yorkie. That's they're actually about twenty pounds, and we had one. He got like three on his side. That's the only time I've ever even seen them.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've never seen them. I I hope that saying that does not make them. Yeah. Not they're me. all just converging Not on the hollow like right
1: now. Nicole said. <laughs> Them and, and squash vine borers, they're all just on their way. Oh,
0: no, I've got those for sure. Although last year I planted like 20 zucchini and I got um, enough zucchini for about an eight week period of time to actually keep Do up something. with what we would eat. Yeah. No extra. And that mm. came off three plants that survived the 20 plant planting.
1: Yeah. So. They say that people that grow it commercially have no problems with them because if you plant enough of it, it just there's not as many of them as you think. And since we all plant like two or three plants, all of them go to those two or three plants. I think they are scum and they need to die, and I'm not sure how to make that happen.
0: What well, I thought Steven Reisner said something you could do about those at your
1: workshop. He did, but it's missing a point, and that is that so what he's doing, and this is very, very interesting to me, he's basically making something called IPMO where you're taking insect parts and insect frosts, or if you don't have insect frost, you use like this stuff called chitin or crab shell or whatever, and you're growing a fungus. And what that fungus is, it's a specific fungus that eats exoskeletons. Mm. And so then you spray, it has, it's a contact killer. Well, the problem with that is the vine borer is inside the plant, so unless it's somehow able to penetrate the vine and get into the vine. And then my other question is, does the vine borer have an exoskeleton when it's in its larval form? Because what it's doing is it's destroying the exoskeleton. And then because of that little fact, I picked up on something yesterday. I was listening to, I'm building all this stuff for the cover crop course. I was listening to this guy that is using a chitin. Have you ever heard of chitin as a soil amendment? And it comes from shellfish. And the only reason I even knew what it was when he said it is years and years ago, there was this health craze where people were taking capsules of it because Chita it sand. absorbs more fat in your system. And it reduces like so you eat more food, but you get less calories. Kitosan. Yeah. chitosan, chitin, whatever. Right. Yep. So he was talking about and I thought originally when he said he was using a soil amendment, it was some sort of tilth or something it was doing. Well, I re-listened to the thing yesterday while I was doing a project and he said something about it reducing fungus and fungal damage and some other things about pests. And I'm like, I wonder if just putting it out there is creating that fungus that Steven is cultivating. That's actually destroying uh, other. And it was also like helping to break down the corn stover. Cause like if you do no till with corn, if you don't have enough fungal activity yet in your soil, you end up with a residue problem. So I'm wondering if there's some connection there, but I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, that dude's smart. He's smart, but he also is a little, little Stephen Harris in him, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's okay. my interview tomorrow too.
0: Oh, you're interviewing again. I yeah. just listened to the one you did in January.
1: Yeah, he is. He's Nick Ferguson. I said when we sat on a panel with him, like the guy opens his mouth for five minutes, and we both feel like idiots. We feel like we don't know anything.
0: What I love about how he talks is he just he talks kind of fast. Yeah. And it's very densely populated. Yeah. And it's just like stream of consciousness off the top of his head.
1: And, and like he, none he of the words like
0: that all the time.
1: And so, none of the words are useless.
0: Yeah, no. They're but all, he does make it understandable to yeah. normal people. So
1: we should see if we can get him on
0: here, John. I, I wonder how John and Stephen would get along.
1: Probably fine. It seems yeah. like the, the, the Harris comment, I don't even know anything about it other than he's pissing people off in my telegram. And it seems like it's all political shit. It has nothing to do with gardening and stuff from what my wife said. I don't. I don't run my telegram group. I just tell people when you join my telegram group, we have moderators do what they say. Cause if they get rid of you and you come to me, I'm going to say, I'm sorry. I, I don't even think like you don't give somebody a job and then question how they do it. Unless they're really screwing it up. Yep. No, Harris is not back. Liberty garden. No, no,
2: nope,
1: never not happening. Actually. Never, 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 ever, ever, never happening.
0: Okay. Did one of you do a video on raising worms? I'll look for it. If you did,
2: I have not, I, I did not. No, I murder worms. I don't really do videos on things. I just do videos where we talk about a thousand different things.
1: Or your morning videos where you yell at everybody. Those are my favorite.
2: They're like 30 seconds long. Get up, you fucker, and get to work. I'm not really yelling. I mean, people are just so sensitive that they take it that way. But
1: You say you're not yelling. This is my impression. Motherfuckers, 430. You aren't here. You're in bed. You're watching this at ten thirty and you just got out of bed and you're talking about how you can't get shit done, but you're in bed and I'm the fuck up and I'm working.
2: Get your That's ass right. to work. Sleep faster. That's I gotta right. do Sleep something. Faster. I also went to yeah. bed at twelve midnight. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no like I don't I don't make videos like on worm bins or how to raise rabbits or anything. I just walk around with a camera while I'm doing all those things but there's no real catalog to those videos. So if you watch the compound videos, there's a ton of knowledge in there and a ton of evidence of what I've done. There's just no way to like, we can't title what that video is about because it's about 20 different things. And there's, uh, and there's a hundred of those.
0: Yeah. You're doing 20 different things every day or at a time. That's why. Yeah,
2: If we broke all our content into 10 different YouTube channels, all 10 of those YouTube channels would be much bigger than the one YouTube channel that we currently have.
0: Yeah. I, I well We've just started a project on Gorham and I, where we're recording cooking videos and yep. it takes a lot more planning than you think for us to stay on track with the thing. Like we had to be like, okay, we're going in and we're, we're just doing this.
2: Yeah. Because no once doubt. You get
0: going in the kitchen. It's the same thing. It's like, well, Oh, and while I'm at it, I'm drying this or I'm processing that or I'm fermenting that because in the in-between times you do stuff.
2: Yeah, for, for every 10 minutes of video you see, for for a really good 10-minute video, you've got 10 hours of prep before that or 10 hours of actual, you know, work.
0: Yeah, somebody says, people think John sounds angry to me as the voice of an angel. I don't think I've ever seen you actually furious. No. The whole time I've, I've never seen you mad or heard you sound mad to me. No. But... But I can understand, like, when you need to get somebody's attention, you get their attention.
2: People are just calibrated very uh, low. They're just very sensitive. I mean, most people you come in contact, well, not, not us, right? When yeah. we shake shake a man's hand, typically he's going to have calluses. But most of the world does not. No, they don't. And they it's are worse if thoughtful. you're a woman
0: because they're really not used to you just answering or right. saying something specific and direct.
2: I say it all the time. I'm like, what, what's the, what do you want me to get out of this? Right. You've given me 20 sentences and I still don't know what, just tell me the thing, like get what, to the point. That's, that's why I don't talk on the phone. Like just message me so that I can answer you in as few words as possible.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You're looking for an answer. I want to give you one, but I don't have time for your life story for this answer. Yeah. It is basically. What do I feed my chicken or whatever? Right. Like, so the it, it, I used to say this about my, one of my friends, he was like, he was going to tell you a story about like what happened last night at the club. And he, he wasn't this bad, but I would, I would mock him. And I'd be like, in the beginning, good and evil were separated by the light. I mean, that's like how his story started. Oh dear God, Brad, will you just say what the you want to say? Like, holy crap. You have to understand the background. No, I don't have to understand the background. I really don't.
2: Yeah. We'll have people come in here that'll work here for a while. and And finally I'll just pull them aside. I'm like, look, before you do this next time, you need to ask yourself, do I need to know what you're about to tell me? Does it does it affect me in in our my my position when I pay you? Does this have anything to do with what we're doing? And if the answer is no, then I don't need to know about it. Like yes. I I pay you to be here. If you show up on the weekend for free, that's when we can have that conversation. You know who's not here on the weekend? You're not here on the weekend. Yep. You were here. Well, I I just want you know I want to have this relationship, or I thought it would be better. No, but you're you're only here when I pay you. When I cease to pay you, you stop showing up. Yeah. So what it? Give me the information I need.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I used to when I was in the corporate world, and we'd have a meeting, and it started to go sideways. I would just not say a word. I would just get up to the whiteboard, and I would write on the whiteboard. Does this affect revenue? Exclamation point. And I would stand there like this until everybody shut up because if we're talking about something that does not affect the revenue of the company that we're having a meeting for, it doesn't need to be on this time where, you know, you, when you do a meeting like that. So you have like the lowest paid person in that room might be making 75 grand a year and the highest paid might be making a quarter million. You're taking all this expensive group and you're putting them in stasis for 45 minutes for your bullshit. No, no. Yeah. And I feel like that from the minor thing, like you're not a one person bugging you. All the way up to the top of the chain. You, there's no place for that. If that person, I bet if that person clocked out, I'm done for the day. It's six o'clock at night, and they stayed after and wanted to talk to you. If you weren't doing something, you'd have that conversation then.
2: Yeah. You're people not paying I them. I'm i not come, paying
1: you to ask me questions.
2: Yeah, people, I want to come hang out with you. I don't hang out, and you can't keep up with me to while I work to have a conversation. The only time you'll ever see me hang out is the day before an event, right? Yeah. When, when you have the VIP guys come in or you have a pre-class come in, we sit around for a couple hours and bullshit. That's the only time I hang out. Like, you won't ever see me with a drink in my hand. Like, yeah. you'll never see me out having alcohol in public. It just, it's just not there, you know? Th- those That's the time I hang out. If you want to hang out, you got to show up someplace pre-event. That's when we have a couple of hours to hang out.
0: So early bird tickets are available at self dot and you can come to the compound. It's April 6th and 7th Friday before we've got actually a number of really cool classes. We've got a homestead medical class. We've got fight like a girl, which is a self-defense class. I've even got an herbal class now that's going to go right after fight like a girl for two hours from an herbalist out of Nashville. And then Monday after the event, Carrie Brown's doing a four or five hour wild edible class. On the property. Yep. So that's all over at Self RelianceFestival.com just in case you want to hang out with John Willis. That's the way to do
2: it. Well, I, I tell guys it's worth even if you if even if you don't want to take the class, it's worth buying the class to get access a day early. Not for John Willis. All the other presenters yeah. are here. Like yeah. you have access to dudes that like some of these guys cost seven thousand dollars to have some of these people on on target, you know? And yeah. you have access to have a conversation with these guys when nobody's there
0: yeah and the vip pass this time what we're doing is having speakers speak 15 minutes later they're in a different place where vip accesses so you can get more questions in yep. like that's part of the speaking arrangement now and and that w- that's always been the intention uh, our friend bob just helped me formalize that in words so he's been super helpful
2: and, and mentioning Kerry Brown, I've got a video going live with Kerry today that we filmed a couple months ago. He was out here and planted. I think we planted. We he he planted thirty seven trees, and then he was here this week and we filmed a a podcast um, that I think is about ninety minutes that'll go live pretty soon. And both of those are are great videos.
0: Yeah, Kerry is a smart dude. Very, and he also put gooseberry on your property just.
2: Yeah, he
0: yeah I saw that <laughs> he said that in the in the comments. It's funny I I framed this as we're going to talk about current events and the current events we've talked about is how to make your garden better. So here's another question: Do you guys have any certain type of soil amendments for garden beds?
1: Rabbit manure, compost.
0: Yeah, I don't have anything I need to add to that. I
1: am going to cover cover crops. I,
0: I realized listening to your interview with Stephen last month that. The way that I have used as a foliar spray, I can put in higher amounts in my soil when mm-hmm. I'm making cheese. So I'll probably mm. start – I'm going to start doing that this year
1: more. Um, Using I, a lab?
0: Yeah. Well, it's – well, it's it's actually – I'm going to take the whey from my cheese.
1: That's your lab. That's your lab. Yeah, that's my lab. Exactly.
0: So um, I hadn't thought about that. I'd always used it on tomatoes to help deter blight, which it's kind of okay at. Like aspirin yeah. is way better. Yeah, but I can just put it straight in the ground and and I generate a fair amount of way. So that's that was it was just one of those. Um, it was one of those things uh, just asking what the mega pass. The mega pass is not up yet, but it will be up. And the mega pass, you get to choose which Friday class and you get SRF and then you get the Monday class. So that's that's what that is all about. Uh, I do have a question into the instructor for the fight like a girl class, because I've had a couple guys who want to take it too, um, which sounds funny, but the the strategies he's teaching, I could see it.
1: Um, oh, I, I'm thinking it works. Totally but I also fitting. think that you set it up for a particular group of people and maybe they need their yeah. own thing. I'm the, just, well,
0: like, I'm not doing that to protect their feelings.
1: So. Oh, I know it's not about feelings. It's just like <laughs> yeah. you set it up for that group of people and maybe that group of people is very comfortable taking it because it's for them.
0: Yeah, could be.
1: That, that's that's what I'm just saying. And, like, if I come, I'll just hit them, and then they can learn how to get hit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just once. Uh, anyway, in the stomach. Uh, Jeff says, uh, ballpark how long before my biochar class? So the next class will be the cover crop class and then the biochar class. But I will tell you, if you go to thesurvivalpodcast.com forward slash biochar, you can find enough information to start making biochar tomorrow morning if you want to do it. Right. But I am going to put it through the same process and it's going to be more complex. But the reason I'm putting it last in that trifecta of the first core classes is I already have so much information available on it. And the two hour podcast I did on it that I did PowerPoint with and all. If you can't make biochar after that, you don't want to make biochar. It's 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 not that difficult, but. When I do it, I am going to gear it 100% like the compost for the backyard, small producer type thing. We're not going to be doing like retort kilns and stuff. It's going to be like open kilns only, real simple, but that's going to be the third class. So it May, probably, you know, I mean, I've got to do the, co- the cover crop one. Also is going to take a lot more work for me because even though I've been doing it, the academic stuff behind it, framing it to where I can explain it. It's taking a lot more research where I already did that with the biochar. So since it's the harder one, I make myself do the things that are harder first because then it's downhill for the rest of the year type of thing.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me. And I've seen your biochar presentations. I've seen classes. I've listened to that podcast. You can get everything you know out of it right now. I can also see the value of taking a course if you want to speed that up.
1: If you want to take it to another level. and. Like I, I've said lately, like I, I was really, like, I don't hate money, obviously, but I've been hesitant to do courses because I'm like, I, I give away all the information. But now having built them and consolidating them and putting them through a process, I'm like, okay, I get, I get what people get out of it. But I explained it is like when I used to do fiber optic work, you would take this little glass thing and put it in a ceramic connector and you epoxy it or you UV cure it and then you cut it off with a diamond cutter and then you had to polish it in this figure eight motion. That after all these years, I haven't done this in 28 years, and I can still do it exactly because I have that muscle memory. And you'd train somebody, and they were 20 minutes on one connector, and you should be able to do it in like 60 seconds. And it would take them 20 minutes, it would still be shit. And you'd grab it from them, and just there you go, look at it in the microscope. And what you didn't realize, like this person wasn't dumb; they just didn't do it before. And you had developed all these little tiny movements in your hand, this minutia that you didn't even know you were doing that you just developed by. You know, sitting in a telecom closet for eight hours a day for weeks, you you'd get into that mode. And so it's not exactly the same, but that's kind of my analogy that there's a lot of things that I do that maybe just fly over somebody in a podcast or I forget it. I leave it out where when you could force yourself to build a syllabus and then teach to the syllabus, it all gets presented and it all gets included and then it all gets tested. And I've built my exams to reinforce the learning so that the person knows the takeaways they should have had. And by going through that process, it's not about passing, it's about reinforcing learning. And it's, it's, it's worked out really well. And I should have done it 10 years ago.
0: But now you know. But now I know. Ask you how you know.
1: And, and how I know three aspirins in a hole because James White. So yeah. whenever I put tomatoes out, I put three aspirins in the hole and I stick an aspirin in there
2: like a fertilizer tablet like once a month.
0: I mean, and not I to derail it, box. but I put two aspirin in the hole and it still worked. There you yeah. go.
2: Won't Tums Tums do the same thing? It doesn't have to be aspirin, right? Tums will do it. I'm not sure about that Tums because it's calcium. not a calcium thing. Yeah. so end awesome rot. Yeah. This is blight. Got it. And
1: and no one's really. It's like it's like throwing a barley straw into a pond and it gets rid of the algae. Nobody's really quite exactly sure of the mechanism, but Got it works. It. I, start,
0: I do my up. seedling starts with aspirin in the water. Oh, in the yeah. water. Like all. Because I do you know, like I water with sort of an aspirin-y water,
2: okay copper, copper rod, copper rod in your water will take care of the algae also hmm. i I haven't tried it, I've seen a lot of short form content, and back I have to a the, very
1: green fish tank right now that I've been fighting. I'm going to stick a copper rod in there and see if it works,
2: yeah, see if that does. Um, guy asking about uh top dressing or or fertilizing raised beds, I also water my raised beds out of my aquaponic system i've got a submersible pump with a garden hose. And that's what I water whenever I water, so it's getting the nutrients out of the aquaponic system, also.
0: And his, the, his stuff looks good.
2: On the copper, is it like leave the the rod like
1: in the water and out of the water, or completely submerge the the? Rod? I just
2: saw him taking like any piece of copper, like chunk uh-huh. of copper, yeah, and just putting it in the tank.
1: So it's all the way submerged, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't know if there was some sort of energy transfer.
2: Yeah. Voodoo it
1: actually makes me feel more likely that it will work.
2: There's a there's a ton of content where they're wrapping yeah. copper wire around dowels and pushing it halfway in, halfway out of the raised beds, too. Yeah, and I haven't I haven't tried it. Every time somebody sends it to me, I say, have you done this yourself? Um, my buddy Lance does it and he had some beds side by side with the exact same stuff planted at the same time. And he swears that it works.
1: Hmm.
2: I, I think Gary may have tried
0: it, too. We should ask him that question. Or he at least talked about trying it at one point. So, Okay, you guys got anything for tobacco leaf moth on tomatoes? No, I don't.
2: Mm-mm.
1: Steven uh, Ryder's IPMO. Yeah. Uh, calion clay. So you mix calion clay with water, and anything that's that's having itself munched, you it's like a very thin slurry, and you spray it with it's just a regular sprayer, and it'll leave like this white coating on it, almost like you like loosely whitewashed it. And then any kind of insect that, that feeds on that, when they bite into it, they're like, think of like, if you've ever gotten some really dry, like what was the thing you used to try to get people to eat and it would dry their mouth out, like a pile of saltines or, I don't know, half a pound of paprika or something you used to get your buddy to I try did. to It does that. It, it just, yeah. you know, it, it clogs up their mandibles and all, and they hate it so they stop eating it because you've ruined it for them. It's like a steak's delicious, but if you, you, if you poured putrid stink <laughs> on it, you wouldn't want to eat it.
0: Yeah, I know. I like various different kinds of caterpillars. I just pull them off. That's,
2: that's great, yeah. That's and the caterpillar, the caterpillar thing, if you go out there at night with a, a bright light, man, they're, they're pretty easy to pull off. And then the Japanese beetles, I go out just from blueberry to blueberry to blueberry or when they're on the and they seem to go back and forth between peach trees one year blueberries another but i just have a little i literally a dust buster now i use yeah. uh, oh, you uh suck them off? Shop. yeah man and it works so easy because once you if you try to crush them i used to crush them in place as yeah. soon as you vibrate that bush though they all fly off whereas that when you have that high powered vacuum like a dewalt or a milwaukee it just sucks them right out of there
1: yeah. I'm guessing he's really actually concerned about the hornworms.
2: Yeah. Super it, easy. It, it. It. The I moth doesn't do out.
1: anything. Right. So what I do with them when I see them and like he's right, if you shine a light on them, they show up at night and they come out at night. I just take a really sharp knife and I just draw it across their back and let them like bleed out. And I figure and I don't do that just to be a dick. I do. I, fi- I do that because I figure anything that might feed on them that would weaken them and increase the population of something that would feed on them. And they grieve, yeah, they, they bleed like this green Vulcan blood,
2: man. It's great. Don't they show up under a black light? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I have a black light for that purpose. I had last year, I was like, great, no hornworms this year. And then I went away for three days and I came back and I was like, oh, there they are. And it took probably every other day for about a week of just picking them and they were gone. And then anyone I see that has the wasp eggs laid in it, I leave them there because they get mama, like. The red wasp will um, lay eggs in them, and yes. then more of them come, and that's their predator. So the worst Whoa. year I ever had, I was pulling them off, even if that was the case, and I really actually just want those wasps around, even though I hate wasps.
1: I actually think it's the little bitty wasp. like oh, is the, the, the lays where you see them, like and they have like all the eggs in their back and yeah. shit. Like, I think that's them. I think red wasps will probably just stab them and murder them and yeah. take them away. They're awesome, too. Uh, Mr. Mr. Greg is saying biofenthin insecticide is approved for crops and applied six weeks before the harvest. I'm not going to get too hard on that pesticide because I'm not familiar with it, but I don't use any pesticides. And, you know, like the IPMO is actually targeting the exoskeleton with a fungus that's natural. So that I'm OK with anything that's an insecticide that we spray an insect with, even if it's organic, what it tends to do is attack the nervous system. And I don't care how long it's been on there. You're spraying it. You're breathing it. I don't believe that humans really need to be jacking around with anything that screws up central nervous systems. Now, maybe that particular herb uh, pesticide is some sort of more benevolent or whatever. But if you need six weeks for it to be safe, I'm not using it.
0: Yeah. Somebody says hornworms make good chicken food. Ducks also love them and will fight over them. And that's a fun game.
1: They sell them at the pet store for certain reptiles
2: to eat. Oh, yeah, hugely. Yeah, bearded dragons. A lot of guys use them. But expensive.
1: I mean, take this with a grain of salt because it's, you know, the person educated at like uh, Pet Smart College. Uh, they go to Pet Smart Fish College and Pet Smart, you know, Dog College and all. I think the whole thing, the whole program is like a day. And, uh, but they told me that they grow those hornworms that they sell for reptiles without them ever eating tobacco or any other nightshade because it's toxic to the reptile if it's inside them. I don't know if it's true. That's what the little chippy that was getting my feeder goldfish for for me told me when I saw they're selling them. And they do feed them something different because they're not the same color green. They're a different color when you buy them. Yep.
0: Okay. Any thoughts on the European farmers' revolt?
2: I think it's awesome. I question how, how real it is, right? We see yeah. this this sliver. I saw a picture yesterday of round hay bales stacked up, and you see through the through the sliver, you see the Eiffel Tower. Like, are they really doing I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I hope so. But when I see a truck back up a tank to, like, the Parliament House, and they spray cow shit all over the Parliament House, I kind of dig that. Yeah, but um, the
2: parliament's not there. It's not. It's yeah. not hindering anything.
1: It's not. It's, it's like those idiots that are throwing the paint on like the paintings at the Louvre and shit the, at the Mona Lisa. It's covered
2: in yeah. freaking glass. Yeah, tomato soup. You know,
1: yeah, co- it's covered in plexiglass. The, the the best part about those people though is then they super glue themselves to the floor and shit. I would just be like, okay, stay there.
2: Yep.
1: I mean, that's the solution to that. You know what? Let's come on. You're not done yet. You got another
2: hand. Imagine no if. Rich? Like, imagine, imagine, imagine if you dropped a cage over those Looney Tunes and left those motherfuckers there for 90 days as though they're just in their jail cage where they glued themselves. How many more people would come just to see the animals in the I,
1: cage? Yes. It's modern art, baby. Modern art meets the Renaissance. Come see our hippies in a cage. Yep. Super clue to the floor. How long? And that's when you get out of the cage. Yep. When natural processes release your hand that you super glued to the floor, we'll let you out of the cage.
2: Yep. But we we're also not, throw tomato juice on you. We're not going to feed or water you. You you, you glued no, yourself. No, no. You
1: came in on but like, you can eat the tomato juice. That's what you get. That's you get a bucket of tomato juice thrown on you every day. I bet it would stop really fast. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they I love
0: mean. people there. The only
1: way out is rip all your skin off. Because they're part of some organization that's connected to some other like WEF think tank bullshit, and they get bailed out like. Instantly. Yeah.
2: My Michael says, uh I, I've heard a lot of people say that they feed Japanese beetles to their chickens. Mine won't eat them. They look at I've them sideways. They my will not touch them.
1: My the only dog thing is, I've uh, ever seen uh, eat a Jap beetle beast. is my grandfather used to make these little bird houses. And he, I don't know what the real name is. He called them a Jenny Wren. They were little tiny so bird. About this big. They were like a peanut. And they would grab them off the grapevines and we had like a gravel driveway and they would be down there and you'd see them like doing this and they, they'd like jump up off the ground and they like whip back down. And what they were doing, they would take them in their beak and they would throw them on the gravel and it would, once it broke their wings off, then they would eat the ends like they were like us cracking a nut. And you'd go down there in the summer and like, it looked like somebody put Nicole's uh, cow, uh, goat glitter like, everywhere. Like, it was little shining glittery all in the driveway from just thousands of uh, beetle wings. But have you guys ever had problems with them beyond, like, I don't know if the grapes are acting as a trap crop or anything, but we barely had them touch anything on the property but the grapes.
2: So they're all over my frost grapes, which showed up three years ago, which has really removed them from the peaches okay. and from the blueberries. Okay. I
0: I, I don't like to talk out loud about my Japanese beetle problems because I've been here 17 years not and in the three to five years. That's when I had some issues. Yeah. I'm getting green beans and some other stuff. But since, since they established their balance, I see some sometimes, but they're not a big thing.
1: I yeah. hope and I think that, there's, that way. There is a place for like that diversity fixing things. Like, one of the studies I read, this was long ago, and it, they had, it took a hard, long time for them to figure out what was going on. They were examining uh, organic vineyards in California. and It wasn't Japanese beetles. It was some kind of leaf hopper that screwed everything up. And, of course, they couldn't spray the leaf hoppers. So they started experimenting by planting blackberries around the vineyards. And the blackberry leafed out faster, so the predator came in sooner because the leafhoppers came in sooner. So by the time the blackberries were done and the grapes were really, like, the predators just went there. And it seemed to play out, except they were finding, like, these weird organic vineyards where they were also not having the same pressure from the leafhopper. And it turned out if there were a significant amount of blackberries within two miles of the vineyard. That the same effect happened. That those—that's about how far whatever this predator was was willing to move, once it was done predating, and it was kind of like, oh, blackberry season is over. Now it's time to go to the vineyard. So two miles it was having an effect. So like what you've done, and all the diversity you put in on three acres, it's—it's it's a huge thing.
2: Somebody asked about the the lightning bugs, and now that he mentions that, we did used to have lightning bugs all through here especially when i was working like on the skid steer and stuff in the evening and now that you mention it the last year or two there are very very few lightning bugs and i don't know what the cause for that is
1: and see it's the opposite here like i've been living here since 1993 in this general area of texas we never had them the last couple of years we've had them Mm. And significant, like not like, like when I was growing up in Pennsylvania, like at Twilight, they were like everywhere. But I mean, yeah. it's not like one here and one there. It's like right at Twilight, you get a pretty good little light show. And then they're, you know, they, they always like these stories, you know, that people write, they talk about like kids catching fireflies at midnight or nothing. I've never seen them out very late. It's like right at that transition. Uh, but we've had them. And
2: I don't know if they've kind of migrated south or what. I mean, yeah when you crush them they're like kim light juice when they smash so on your to, windshield they're yeah we used to smash them on our foreheads when we were kids yep
1: yeah or we got plenty party. of them here
0: i mean every year some of them get into my house and at night i'm like oh you're you are a lightning bug
1: <laughs> have you ever <laughs> had, some, had a ladybug invasion where you end up with like five million ladybugs in your house and you're trying to yeah.
0: japanese beetles here yeah, yeah.
1: suck
2: them up with those vacuums in arkansas like and you like,
1: oh, kill them and you're like go leave yeah
2: <laughs> yeah suck them up with that shop vac those those little DeWalt or Milwaukee shop vacs yeah and you catch them right out of the air same with yeah. like gyps- gypsy moth pantry moths. you can suck them right up the bagworms my grandma used to go out with a pole
1: with a rag on it dipped in kerosene and just like burn them right out of the trees and shit she was like yeah. a four foot nine inch little stocky Ukrainian lady and she'd be out there with like a sixteen foot pole.
2: Yep. Yeah, June bugs are something different, though. June bugs are the, the bigger orange bugs.
1: We have it in Austin. They have a June bug festival where they eat them. I'm, they taste like almonds. Okay.
0: <laughs> we get box elder bugs here on the box elder trees.
1: You guys With, can eat Z bugs. I'm yeah. going to eat Z steak.
0: Yeah. I accidentally <laughs> ate a stink bug the other day in my water. What? Yeah, I was like, gulp. And I was like, oh.
1: How bad was it?
0: It was bad. It like you know how they smell. That's how they taste.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: like my dog ate one last week too, and I was like, "What are you doing? Like you don't like stink bugs, but she didn't like that stink bug enough to eat it."
1: Squash bugs must be bad too. I've never eaten one, but like I did get like chickens never eat them. And one day I had some young chickens, so I'm like, "Well, maybe if they've never seen it before, they'll eat it." So I had a leaf with like a bunch of them on it, and I threw it over the fence to them. And one looked at it and like, uh-uh. And the other one looked at it like, I'll give that a shot. And it ate it and it made a bad sound and it ran away. And it was making chicken noises. And you could almost hear it going, no, 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 no. So they must burn or something.
2: The squash bugs, I crush them by hand. And like this, this turquoise goo comes out of them. If you smell it though, it's very, it smells like melon. It smells very, very sweet when you crush them.
1: That's because they're sucking cucurbit leaves all day long. That's what what it is. Um, What we do a lot of times is if you start looking early in the season, they will lay like these clusters of red eggs on your leaf. And if you take duct tape, you take duct tape and just double side it and it'll pull them right off.
2: So I pull that leaf off when I'm watering the raised beds. I water heavy and they come from underneath to the top and then I crush them. And I'll do that a couple of times a night. They're evil, but they're not,
1: they don't bother me that much. They just kind of ruin some leaves. Like it's the vine borers. They kill the whole friggin' plant.
2: If you, if we plant early, we'll get plenty of, you know, crookneck squash or zucchini or whatever. As soon as they've, they've destroyed some of that, the damage gets beyond where you can pull them off. I just pull those whole plants and put them in the dumpster. Okay. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't even, I don't even put them to compost. I put them straight in the dumpster.
1: What I usually do with any of my squash is as soon as the damage begins, I'll plant something right next to it that they won't bother. And so as that plant's dying, something's already coming back, and then just cut it off and pitch it. Cool. Yeah. But like uh, the Trombachinos, they just, they can kill it, but it takes a lot longer. It just takes them a lot longer. And as they grow those long vines, if you take where the vine is wounded and bury it, it'll root and then that vine is clear mm-hmm. of the damage behind it.
2: So we put we put 120 pumpkins out every year on the fence post oh, wow. for decoration.
1: Oh yeah, and yeah. And then yeah, right.
2: they go through the winter, they freeze, so all along the fence line we will have pumpkins come up. And they do really well until those until those squash bugs get in there really heavy. The euphrosia plant
0: up. the loofah plant is also resistant and you can eat the young ones as a zucchini-like thing.
1: All kinds of gourds are like that, and then Furro says butternuts are, and they are. They're they're pretty resistant, but they just don't do well here for me. But they're they have that thick, dense vine because they're a different species. There's like four main species of uh, a squash. I think it's mixed is the one that has those dense vines. I'm trying something new this year, Nicole. And if it works, I'll give you some root for it at the at the end of the the fall. It's called ivy gourd. And it's like a perennial cucumber.
2: Oh, cool. And if you
1: pick it when it's green, it tastes like a cucumber. And if you let it keep ripening, it kind of turns reddish. And it starts getting more sweet like watermelon. Mm. But the root lives. And apparently if you mulch it, it'll live through your winter. Well, it'll live through my winter. We'll see about your winter. Um, But you could always just dig it up and, like, bring in a few roots like you do with, um, like, Jerusalem artichokes. And keep them on wet paper towel in a bag in a you know, chill drawer of the refrigerator. And uh, replant them every year. And the guy I got them from, he sells the roots on eBay. They're like white box because no one else has it because it's invasive or whatever bullshit they come up with, um, which means it's already there. So stop worrying about it. That's what it means. Um, but he even eats the tips. So the, the new growth tips are supposed to be delicious too, either raw or stir fried. So that's my new trial plant for 2024. I have to have at that least sounds- one new thing every year.
0: That sounds really cool.
1: And I can't yeah. remember what else they're called, but they're like perennial cucumbers, what some people call them. And they're real popular in like Asia, India, places like that, where like if you don't grow your food, you die. So it's probably worth growing.
0: Well, I need to figure out my vining layer in my food forest.
1: That might be good, but it might be a little it might be invasive in that environment. I figure in a raised bed on a trellis, if it starts going somewhere, it gets mowed.
0: Yeah. If it's more invasive than the other natural vine that likes to take over here, then That's I have that one problem. And replace yeah. a different rambles
1: or whatever yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah well no we get this i call it vinca but it's not really vinca but it's it's just a flowering vine that anywhere that the soil is disturbed it shows up and it's it it tries to take over my garden too so it's just something ah. that's here but it's it's actually not a bad ground cover if you want to just have a ground cover that you don't have to mow it does that but nothing else is growing there
1: I'm thinking this will do good here because we actually have a variety of wild ivy gourd that grows here. And I didn't know that's what it was. Um, But the ones that grow here native, they don't they're not a good food plant. Um, But they live in the the hell that is my unirrigated property in the summer. And so if they can survive, I would think that this more palatable one hopefully will survive.
0: Yep. Here's a comment from early. You know, you're assertive lady when you see men back up and protect their marbles on instinct. You
1: know, the real men in my my life
0: don't do that when I say something direct. I'll just leave it there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but there's a lot that will. (laughs) There's a lot that will. We need need to help some people in this country, man. I don't know how they're going to make it. I really don't. And this is not just the old generation putting down the new one. Like There's just certain things you should be able to handle in your life, no matter what generation you're from that people just can't handle. And it it. I've gone from, you know, 20 years ago making fun of them to now just really feeling bad for them. Like what what screwed up shit in your life made you this way?
0: Yeah. There's a lot of programming there. I think that's the – I'm not sure it's the screwed up stuff. It's just the – there's programming that has been developing for tens of years at least, probably longer than that. Yeah.
1: I think it's a combination of the programming, which, by the way, guys, that's why they call it programming on television. That's why it's called programming. And it's then it's so you've got the, the TV shit. But then the other thing is, like, when you remove adversity from a person's life from a very young age up until they're an adult, they have no concept of how to handle diversity. Like, why is this happening to me or whatever? Like, they can't deal with it. And, you know, I, I talk to my my grandkids about this all the time. And I, you know, my grandson's now 13. So I had the whole conversation about, hey, you're a lot closer to 18 and 20 than you are to zero. So can you remember when you were three? Well, you're now closer to being 20 than you were when you were three. And we need to get you in this mode of where we're making you a little bit more adult like every day so that you don't hit a point where you're 18, 20 years old. And it's like fly, bitch. And then you have no idea that you even have wings like you have to you have to go through some adversity and you have to be kind of called up. That's part of parenting. And it used to be that families were closer together, and there was a lot of that done by parents, but there was also a lot done by, like, uncles, great uncles, your dad's friends, like, just seeing what a man is like. And we have so many young men. They grow up in absence of that male role model. And then the women, I think maybe they're surrounded by women, but they're growing up with women without men balancing them. And so they're completely out of balance as well, and they don't know what a man's supposed to be like because they have had nobody model it for them. And I think those things together have just created this generation. They can't do anything without complaining. They can't do, uh, uh, man, I, I struggle when I talk about this because I know that that's how Gen X was talked about when we were young by the boomers. I I get that, but this is not the same thing. We grew up as self-sufficient as any generation I think ever was. And I, I think it's our fault. I think, not this three people, but our generation a little bit before us and a little bit after us, we so overcompensated for that that, you know, we were there for every game or everything and that kid never had to suffer. And I don't think you can become a whole person if you don't learn how to deal with adversity.
0: This is kind of a good time to talk about Homestead Apprentice, which is coming up soon, and they have the application up at homesteadapprentice.com where you can apply to be part of this project, and if you get chosen to work on it, you're going to be learning all of these hard, tangible skills. And one thing that we have done a poor job of in our society is equipping people, and men in particular, with hard, tangible skills.
2: Well, we we used to give kids hammers for Christmas and a bag of nails, and they can't swing a hammer. They don't have any calluses. They've never bled from their fingertips. They don't know how to use a shovel. Like, we used to go out and dig tunnels and caves, and the first thing you're going to tell a kid now is you can't do that, right? Because their parents didn't do it. And there is no hardship. Everything is handled for you. if you took a kid and gave him his first job and gave him a sledgehammer, a wheelbarrow, and a pickaxe, and said, bust up this concrete, we'll come back in eight hours and get you, the police would be called for neglecting that child, right? We would have to have a trailer out there with a water tank and air conditioning and all kinds of nonsense. That was my job when I was 13 and a half. I did that until I was 16 years old. And there, there is nothing like that anymore. Kids have this idea now, and it's, it's because of this, right? We don't raise our children. This raises our children. We send our kids... Uh, To be raised by people who hate our way of life, and most of their teachers were in fact raised in the same manner. So then we wonder why our kids are weak. There is no calluses. There is no pressure testing. There is no fear. There's been no repercussion for action. Somebody said they've never been punched in the face. Not only have they not been punched in the face, they can run their mouth and then they are protected for running their mouth they've never been pushed uh playing tag they've never been hit with a dodgeball they don't know any kind of stress at all and it just does not exist any longer and when kids get caught even playing cowboys and indians or god forbid bb guns or paintball guns anymore you know law enforcement will be called and uh that's that's just more and you don't see that as much in in kids that live in the country in small towns uh, but it is encroaching. It's it's definitely getting here. And with, with Homestead Apprentice, we are taking um, a bunch of young men and older people. Right? We're not we don't have an age limit on it. If you want to attend Homestead Apprentice, put in your application. You got to make a sh- short video and tell us why you want to be involved in it. We're gonna bring 50 or 60 people out here, and we're gonna whittle that down to two 10 uh, man teams. And you'll be here for several weeks. And we're going to do homestead stuff, but we're also going to do lifestyle stuff and we're going to do business and media development and business development. And it's, it's a lot of aspects because we t- talk all the time about people always say money's not everything. And I say, I like to say, well, then why do you go to a place you hate and get up at a time that you don't want to get up, uh, and go to a place every day that you don't want to be for a finite amount of money? So when you have that money left over after you pay your bills and your responsibilities, what do you, s- Spend that money on that thing that you love to do, that you accumulate that money in or- order to be able to do it. How do we identify that and take that and turn that into a business, right? How do we take the thing that you love to do? People are like, man, don't you get tired of working? I don't. I work 16 hours a day. Like that's a no bullshit answer. Like actually 16 hours a day, seven days a week. Like even when I'm out running around, I am working in some capacity. There is not a meal that's had anywhere at any table where there are not several of us discussing different aspects of business and multiple businesses at the same time, because that's what I love to do. And I don't consider that work. I've done this. I started this company 35 years ago, even when I was in federal prison you have a finite amount you have 300 minutes of phone calls to make every one of those minutes was discussed on business and running a company while i was in federal prison and how do we find that thing and then how do we make that pay your bills and that's what a lot of this is about
0: i so hear so, so many people have been complaining about not having opportunities and this is literally if you're like i've been looking for an opportunity this is the opportunity smacking you in the face like a frozen salmon. Like a, there is no, nothing stopping you from <laughs> filling out a stupid application and making a sixty-second video about why you think you want to come.
1: Yeah. What are nothing you worried about? What are you, you worried? You said you're going to start with sixty and end up with twenty. Is that how it's going to work? Yeah. Two ten-man pe. Two ten okay. ten-person
2: teams. Yeah. What are you so worried you're about? You're going to will
1: the sixty down to twenty. That's step yes. one. And that's going to be by making them. Crawl across tax or no? It's not. It's not like Hell Week. It's
2: it's just <laughs> okay. it's just it's just getting them together. Half of them okay. won't show up. I mean that's what always yeah. happens. Why are you yeah. not putting your application in? Are you worried we might select you? Like what do you really? Everybody <laughs> says all the every you'll see it every morning in my videos, right? I want to do this thing. No, you don't. That's the first thing. Hey, I'm thinking about starting this business. Let me just stop you right there. You're not going to fucking start the business because if you were going to start it, you would have started it. Hey, I I have this business. Oh, how much money did you make this week? What? I haven't made any money. Well, then you don't have a business like it. it, Like it's just that's the deal. Right. Everybody wants to insert themselves into a conversation, but they don't want to put any skin in that game. So I like to whittle those guys out right away. Uh, I love that. I love it when I tell a guy, you're full of shit. You won't do that. And then they actually do it. Like, uh-huh. I like that more than anything. And, yeah. and I, I do that because it's going to do one of two things. You're going to, you're going to remove your bullshit from the people actually doing stuff, or it's going to spur that guy and going to go, oh, I'll show you. And then they actually execute.
0: Yeah. Here's a Gen X riddle for the two of you. Okay. You have four two-by-fours, a piece of plywood, a bicycle, and your buddies over. What are you doing this
2: afternoon? Building drums. a ramp. Yeah, over 55-gallon drums.
0: Yeah. Do, will you just line up people on the other side of the ramp and just jump over them? Absolutely.
1: And I had friends that weren't very good on a bike, and they always wanted you to lay down. i them, like, no, when, when you consistently cover enough distance... Did I don't have to worry about you like endowing on top of me, even on the first guy in the thing. I'll do it. But no, like I had people I'd do it for and people I wouldn't.
0: So as a result of this, what do you know about placement of two by fours and plywood to make a good jump?
1: The angle. And the flex. So sometimes you want some flex and sometimes you don't want some flex because flex increases the angle and throws the bike higher. And you have to determine whether you want to do that or not depending on the total length of the plane that you're dealing with and how much reinforcement you give it. Yep.
0: Has that served you well later in life knowing that?
1: Yeah. 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 And every single scar I have still on my body from when I was a teenager is totally worth that knowledge. Yep. Yeah. We also like, I lived in this apartment complex and we had these like islands that were like just big piles of dirt that they planted shit on and it all died. And so what we, of course, did is we took some of the dirt and then the little curb, we made it so you could actually not hit that curb. And then we would just, with our feet, like, carve these trenches. And so you would hit this dirt pile and, and jump off the dirt pile. We 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 did so much stupid shit. We had a three-story building in our apartment complex, and we had all this. I don't advise anybody to do, by the way. <laughs> um, we had all these railings that were made out of, like, two-by-sixes on the on the railing without a cap. And we used to, like, get up on those and, like, tightrope walk them. And if you fell to the far side, you're three stories down. You're dead. And, you know, somehow the cops never showed up and nobody ever fell. You know, and if somebody did fall, all you have to do is just throw your body to the side without the three-story drop, you know. But that used to be like a chicken test. Like, if you couldn't do it, you couldn't hang out with us, like, because you were too scared to go where we go.
0: And there's a lesson there, right? Because now in any situation, if you fall, you know how to direct your fall.
1: That's true. That's, that, true. that's actually a safety thing. You're. I'd rather fall in the back. briars than down the cliff. Right. Right. You know, and and, and is, you
0: realize you have that split second to make that choice.
1: In yes. a situation Like that. Yeah. And you might not win, but at least you tried before you went off the, the cliff. You know, at least you took the one shot you had. Like when we were in the military and they would teach us about getting caught in an ambush. First lesson, don't get caught in an ambush. Second, if you do, you have to like immediately violently charge the enemy with everything you have because you're 99% dead anyway. But that's your, if you try to retreat when you're, when you're caught in an L shape, you're not retreating. There is no retreat. You have to take out the enemy, right? You have to, you have to do something.
0: I was thinking about Gen X and community and we're actually pretty good at building the kinds of relationships that you can count on. Yeah. And I wonder if it's generational because we were on our own. And if you got into some shit, you either had to take care of it yourself or more often you called your buddies over and if you needed help and you figured it out before your parents got home. So they wouldn't realize that you got into some shit. Yep. And so you, you knew if you got the call, you were going to drop everything and go help your buddy. Yeah. And likewise, you knew you could count on your buddies and I'm, I'm not sure that's, how things work. I'm sure that isn't how things work anymore.
1: There was no Have problem. Have you even solving. thought about like all the movies that were made from like the 70s through the 90s that were always the kids on their own on their bicycles and shit. And if they do make a movie like that now, it's never set in the now. It's like Stranger Things or something. It's always set like back in the 80s because if you made it now, nobody would believe you.
2: And there's always some bullshit agenda now. It's it's yeah. never. We were we were neglected. Right. I saw something the other day said we were neglected and somebody said we were free range. Yeah, yeah,
1: Yeah, we were not neglected. I I never felt neglected. I think back to my childhood and go. The idea that it could have been taken from me and I would have to have lived through it the way that people do now, like that, that's that's a nightmare thing for me, like by the time I was 13, I was running a trap line. You know, I'd get up every morning. It was still dark out. I didn't make videos because they didn't have that yet. You weren't there. Sleep faster. I didn't do that. You know, I just went out and took care of my trap line. And it, but so like, but it was already happening because what just flabbergasted me is listening to dudes when I was in basic complain about having to get up so early. Like, first of all, didn't you ever do this? And you're like, no. What did you think happened when you joined the army? Did you think they were gonna let us sleep until like noon? Well, at least on Saturdays, like, so that was already transitioning. I, I just don't think it would have been that way if I was twenty years older. I don't think that would have been. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know.
2: Yeah. It's.
1: How do we fix it though? I don't know. I we do what we do, and those that want to do it too. I guess that's all we can do.
2: How do we fix it? We fix it generationally, right? You hear about the culture war when the culture war really is. uh, It starts with three generations. So we take our elderly and we warehouse them, right? We put them someplace. Whereas if you have, let's say you have some property, and it doesn't have to be one house. It doesn't have to be one roof, right? It can be one acre of property with a house and then a a tiny house or a grandma flat, right? So we Mm -hmm. keep our older people on the property with us. But you have to have that. You have to live in a manner right now So that that can be in the future in the next few years for you. And it's great if we can catch a 20-year-old kid and, and instill this, right? So if we can keep grandma and grandpa or one or the other both on the property, when you have kids, they can help raise your children. And then as you get older, you're going to have that in there. And then when your children have children, you're going to assist them. His story is history, right? History is his story. And if you want your story told in the manner you want it told, then you have to have those people around to pass that story on to. Whereas we take all of our people, we send our kids off property and we send our kids to a group of people who hate our way of life and then they get indoctrinated in that manner. Whereas if we take the responsibility of raising our children and raising our food and keeping those generations on the property, we have told everybody that the, 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 the life dream is to have a 2400 square foot house and 2.5 bathrooms, because that comes with 2.5 kids, and that comes with a tax base for the municipality that passed those laws, whereas really all you need is some property. You don't have to have it under one roof. There's plenty of people, six people living in a trailer together, and then they get a shed, and then that shed becomes a living quarter, and then the next shed becomes a kitchen and a dining room, and then we build that out. And When you look at their lifestyle years later, their life is so much better, and it doesn't look like they're living in sheds anymore. They have this beautiful thing put together with outdoor living space and they grow their food. And then it just goes from there. But it, it all starts with just doing something. You don't have to live the way the municipalities have programmed you to live. That's why they want a twenty five hundred square foot house, because it comes with a tax base.
1: The only reason I, I did lasers there is I couldn't remember how to do fireworks because that was freaking fire.
0: Yeah, that was awesome.
1: That was awesome, and it's definitely be a short. <laughs> I mean, you two guys, I I grew up with a lot of interaction with great uncles, grandparents, and stuff like that. Did you both of y'all do that? Yes.
0: It's a large extended family on my dad's side. Yeah, yeah. cousins, you,
1: all of it. But you were in my my bigger point because what John said is you were interacting with people that were your age, your parents' age, and your grandparents' age you had that three generational thinking versus, so we were free range, but yet we had, I think we had more interaction with adults than the current generation does. Like everything's done for them. They're coddled. They're taken care of. Maybe daddy's at the game or whatever, but is daddy taking Joey fish in and talking to him about life events? Like, this morning, Mike just come, comes up, you know, and I didn't plan this or anything. My grandson comes up to me and he's got his job to do. So I figured some other attempt to weasel out. And he's actually been really great lately. So I'm not expecting that. And I'm like, what's up, buddy? He goes, nothing. And that just means I came out to talk to you. That That's what that means. That doesn't mean that I'm getting out of it. That's just, I came out and I don't know what to say, but I want to hang out. And I was like, you know, and it's beautiful this morning. It was like 45 degrees, it's green, sun's out. And I'm like, dude, this is the best time of the day. And I had to talk with them for about five minutes about nature being real and so much of what they look at being fake and then walk away. And I, you know, it wasn't a plan or anything. It's just like when that gets peppered through your life, you know, I, re- I remember, and sometimes it's harsh and sometimes it needs to be. I remember I was like eight or nine years old. My grandma had me cutting the grass and I ran over like some sort of wasps that were living in the ground and I had no shirt on cause it was summer and I'm pushing the mower and one of the wasps comes up and just lands on my chest and stings me like right in the breastbone. And it swelled up like half an apple and I killed it. And I run to my grandfather. Cause I'm like eight. And I'm like, uh, he looks at, he goes, fucking hurts. Don't it? Go see your grandma. She'll take care of it. So I go to grandma. She jumps fricking McCure comb on it. All it does is burn. Right. And go back to the grass. And I, I'm tobacco. kind of uh, 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 <laughs> you're pushing a lot lower. But by the time you're done, you're not crying anymore. You you said something I thought was really interesting, John, at the last SRF, that if you're if you're using your body and you're using physical activity, whatever bullshit's in your head, it can't be in your head while you're doing that. It'll push it right out. Yeah, it and that gives it. you clarity. And I think there's a place for that physical labor
2: component, too. Yeah, physical. It builds mental clarity yeah physical exertion if you have a if you have a problem that you can't find the solution to or your life is in shambles, the one thing you can do is fitness and fitness is free. You can take a person and put him on a ship, you can lock him in a cage and he can still remain fit and when you're fit, it clears up that mental clarity, whatever that thing is, the answer will come to you. The solution will present itself through that physical movement
0: and if it doesn't, at least you'll sleep well that night so your brain can reset
2: yeah, that's right, that's right.
1: Beth is on something here in the chat. She says mommy and daddy are in their smartphones and that's the
2: problem. And so. So, that- so are the children. You see them. You see babies on these things. Yeah. You used to go into a restaurant and you'd hear asshole kids where their parents, they'd be screaming and there'd be a just food everywhere. Right. You don't hear kids in restaurants anymore because they all have a smartphone now. Those kids are the future parents and they are being programmed at age one. You don't see kids in shopping carts anymore that don't have a full-blown damn iPad.
1: Well, I think her point though, is we now have a generation of parents that are already there. Yeah. They're already in their phones all the time too. Like I watched this video the other day, it was on TikTok or something. And this guy was talking about how intrusive these are. And he was like, when you go to dinner with somebody and you, you, you check the phone or whatever and do it. Now you're going to sit down and talk to him. And you set that phone down even face down, but it's on the table. It's like disrespectful to the conversation because, Oh, it's still there. Like put that shit away, have your meal, have your social engagement. It'll be there when you get back. If it, you know, if it's some kind of emergency, you'll get called more than once. Like when I used to like work in the corporate world and I would be out on on client meetings and all Dorothy and I had a deal. Like if you call, and it's just a talk, and I'm dealing with some shit, I might not answer. But if you call twice in a row, I'll answer the phone. Because then I'll know. Or if you text me and it says 911 and I check it, I'll know. But you, like, call me twice. That will tell me that I need to call you. Because now you and I are engaged with each other, and I'm dicking off. And, you know, people are like, oh, it might be important. No, you're checking your fucking fantasy football stats. Like, well, I have a phone jail, a literal phone jail. I have a box with a hash. And when we do like our holiday parties and shit, your phone goes in fucking phone jail. <laughs> jail. Phone jail. You get your phone back when you leave. Like, and, and because I know that's what everybody's doing. They're like, like whatever you did with fantasy football, you can't change it in the middle. Like that's, I have a big part of my family that's all into that shit. It's like, whatever you've done is going to, you'll find out when we're done. Like you, your phone goes in phone jail. You can't come in the house. And the first year I did it, everybody looked at me like I was kidding. I'm like, I'm not fucking kidding. Like, I put all this effort so we could spend some time together for two fucking hours. Phone jail.
2: Did you say fantasy football?
1: Yeah, they love fantasy. And it's always, you know, fall, and it's coming toward the playoffs at Christmas time. So it's, like, just they're obsessed with it. Like, update every 30 fucking seconds to see if they're going to win or not. Well, again, you, I don't know how it exactly works. but Like, you pick a team, and they're all on different. But I know that once it starts, you can't make changes. So you're not doing anything except – Endorphin hitting yourself because you might win a hundred bucks at the end of the season or whatever it is. When they try to get me to play it, I'm like, How much is it? And they're like, Well, it's 50 bucks to buy in at the beginning. And then they like, stop. If I give you $50 you shut and the just contribute it, will you shut the fuck up and leave me alone about this? Because I don't care. Like, football will be so much more entertaining. Don't need it. I don't need it. You know, you have all the circuses you want. I do like football a little bit. I'll watch a game here and there, but like, I can't live my life that way. I got shit to do.
0: Yeah. It's a lot of, I used to go out and watch football games at bars and stuff because I enjoyed it. But as I started building the life, I want to live. I had less, that was like more important to build the life than it was like this weekend. We were given a gift of awesome weather. And you know, I was torn between do I do this clerical work and do I get outside and and do the outside things? And I did a little bit of both. I was like, OK, this many hours I'll do clerical stuff and then I'm going to go pollard my trees or whatever it was. And uh, none of that involves sitting in front of a TV watching football
1: for no. four hours. No, no. Football to me is like put it on when you're working in the shop and it can be in the background. Like that. that's, you know, I'll put content on like that, like. Or I'll put music on or something, but I'm doing, I'm actively doing something that's furthering my life. I'm not zoned into this thing. I do like some stupid, non-important BS type TV right before bed. Same reason I like to read like sci-fi novels or something when I lay in bed for like twenty minutes before I go to sleep, because it shuts my brain off so I can sleep. But I, I, you know, I I don't get it. Like even like sometimes there'll be like a big game on when we do a family gathering, and I'll I'll put it on the TV. I'll turn the closed captions on volume all the way down. You can look at the score whenever you want to, because your phone's a phone job. What about the other game? There's only one game on at a time. You got picture in picture. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. Let me show you. No, I don't. Doesn't exist here. It's not real. I disabled it. I'll just lie to them, Like, cause I, it's, I don't know. It, it's a pet peeve, obviously that I'm wasting my time on.
2: I make fun. I make fun of them. And then we don't have the conversation anymore. They just, <laughs> they just stop coming around. Yeah,
1: uh, I like the picture of Leonard from uh, what is that show? Big Bang Theory, where he's trying to fit in with the sports people, and he has on his he lifts his shirt up, and it says "Go Sports." Go like Sports. <laughs> Go Sports.
0: <laughs> yeah, we have we call it sports ball here. Sports ball. Sports ball. And you know, one of the neighbors is going to watch the Super Bowl. Maybe a couple of them,
1: but that's that's fine. I, I used and to whatever. like the Super Bowl because it was an excuse to get a bunch of people together and drink beer and eat cool food, and then the commercials were funny. Well, now the commercials aren't funny anymore. True. So it ruined everything. Like, it, 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 they even screwed up Super Bowl commercials. were the great I, ones? I did
0: tune in for the halftime show a year or two ago. For
1: Like, I wanted to see that. The, there was a commercial years ago where it was like a FedEx commercial, and they used a pterodactyl for airmail. And then, like, the pterodactyl takes off and the, like, giant dinosaur eats his ass. And he goes back to the dude that he works for. And they're all cavemen and shit, you know. And he was like, you know, what happened? You didn't make it. You should, And the guy's like, you should have used FedEx. And the guy, like, hits him with a club. And then right after he hits the guy with a club, like, a dinosaur <laughs> smashes his ass. That was funny. <laughs> the freaking Budweiser frogs were funny. Like, what? All, and they then they come out and they tell you how great. The, the next day, the news people tell you how great the commercials were. And you're like, no, they weren't. They can't even make a commercial anymore. Everything's ruined. You can't make a beer commercial funny or sexy. It's over. Society. We have reached peak fiat, and we are in decline. It is up to the next generation, like, to to rebuild society now.
2: Yeah. Go Taylor's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> how many people would okay. even know? How many people would even know who that guy was if it wasn't for Taylor Swift? I bet he's got I mean, a good agent. It's all it's all scripted. I mean, I I believe that the NFL is actually scripted. I think they know a lot of what's going to happen before it even happens. There seems to be a lot of evidence towards that. I don't like if you want to you want to watch Super Bowl, go watch Super Bowl. I have real shit to do. I can't even tell you when the Super Bowl is. I got a cease and desist from the Super Bowl because we we use their bullshit on one of our promos. Um, I like I like that. We will always use it to our advantage but I couldn't tell you. I couldn't even name football teams right now. I don't give two shits about that. I have real world doing real shit, and I I don't play football.
0: Yeah, I know it must be soon because the stores have all their snacks out. For- I don't even know who's going to be in it. Yeah, no, I, don't, I, do I, I, I don't know exactly when it is, but it must be either this weekend or next weekend because the stores. Uh, have it's store February, things.
1: so it will be next weekend because it's yeah. like right around Valentine's Day every year. Yeah.
0: And I, I did a resupply run this month. So,
1: yeah, I have no idea who's in it. I, My son's all into it, but let me find out. <laughs> I mean, I'm really uh, 49ers and Chiefs. So, uh, Taylor Swift's boyfriend is in the Super Bowl. So, that's why we're still talking about him. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
0: Okay. Well, we've been on about two hours. Is it time to wrap or are we going to keep going?
1: I, I, I need to go. Jack needs to go.
0: Okay, so let's go. go once around the horn. Let's start with John Willis today.
2: You can. Uh, I do a live every night at nine o'clock on YouTube. Super easy to find. There's five thousand videos there. I do a little bit of different content on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Pulling the thread podcast on TikTok. We're about to break a hundred thousand on there. We're about to break a hundred thousand on YouTube. Um, usually, when you ask a question and somebody interacts with you on social media, that's usually me. So super easy to get a hold of. Um, We got a few hundred people jump on the lives every night and we can discuss anything you want to talk about. So if you've got a question about anything you've heard here, uh, business development, lifestyle, whatever uh, gear. That's what we really do is we build, you know, nylon tactical gear and stuff. Um, You can get on there and we can discuss anything you want to. And you can talk to the guy that actually owns the company and has been running the company for 35 years.
0: I'm Nicole Sauce from NicoleSauce.com and the Living Free in Tennessee podcast, and we've got early bird pricing on Self-Reliance Festival tickets, so grab those now. We've got some pretty good sessions coming up. Like right before this, I talked to a veterinarian who does herbal and natural sources. She's going to talk about animal nutrition and some basic uh, framework for herbal remedies and the, the truth. About some of the more traditional treatments for your animals and risks associated with that, I think it's going to be a pretty cool session at Self-reliance Festival. You can get that at selfreliancefestival dot com and Jack, you get to close today.
1: Well, thank you, Nicole. I am Jack Spiko, host of the Survival podcast, almost sixteen years running now. We will have our sixteen year anniversary in June of this year. Uh, so we've been around a while. I think we're d- this is episode three thousand four hundred forty two of my show. So we have a little bit of a catalog of content, which means if there's anything we talked about today that you want to know more about, if you go to the survivalpodcast.com and use a little search bar, you can find content on anything in depth interviews with experts. Sometimes it's just me teaching, et cetera. Uh, We do have the new composting course available at homefoodsystems.com. And there's more courses coming from that. And I think it's totally worth the money. We have had great results with so far and nothing but positive feedback and uh, thanks to both of y'all for for being with us today. I always appreciate you guys taking your time to be with me and I and, uh, with you on a Tuesday, uh, the first Tuesday of the month is a great time to do it. Uh, last though, um, we kind of buzzed right over y'all's program with Homestead Apprentice. Like I'll put that on out on the air for y'all later this week. Um, that's something, that if you're out there saying you want to shot at something, take the fricking shot or shut the F up. I mean, really like, We kind of did something similar without it being that organized when we had the Perma Ethos Farm. We gave people the opportunity to come out and do anything they wanted. And it blew me away how few people even tried. I was like, when I was 19, if somebody gave me this opportunity, you would have to blow me out of it with dynamite to get rid of me. I would have been on that like white on rice. And so, guys, if you're looking to change your life, I think that's an opportunity. And uh, the competition may be tough, but the competition may be tough enough that if you're tough enough for it, it won't be that hard for you to get into the finals there based on the way it was described. So take a shot, because if you don't, I promise you, you won't get it. Gonna bail you out or just run you around?
0: They said you should have a house the American way.
1: A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay.